He wants to know which pro in particular is your favorite to watch throw from a mechanic. It, it from can't a, be one of us. It has to be. Obviously. Uh, well, then yeah, I don't obvious. have an answer. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Moving on. Next question. <laughs> Mailbag. Can we sing again? Hey guys, this is Dustin Leatherman from the Paul McBeth Foundation and current Disc Golf Chicago fantasy football champ. And you are listening to Unstable Discourse. And welcome in to season three, episode seven of Unstable Discourse. Yeah. What up? We're back. Sounded good, boy. I felt good about it. You know what? I felt really weird about the intro in the last one. I was like unsure of my tone and if you listen back it changed in the middle of me saying i said unstable discourse weird so i was like i'm gonna nail it today so alex seminary got in his head about something that is so bizarre i I can't imagine that scenario we you know we all have these moments from time to time or live in it constantly yeah yeah anyways uh we are back at the callahan acres basement uh we've got cab the cab is fully loaded mm-hmm. with Ryan Fancher of Unstable Disc Golf Gear. Yes, sir. Sean Callahan of Delwood Disc Golf. You better know. Jason Callahan of Bag of Tricks. Alex, thank you very much for that introduction. You were really self-deprecating about your walk-in impression last week. I felt that was pretty good. That was pretty good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, you know, I listened to the episode and I really got in my head about it. If you <laughs> It's great. This is kind of episode it's going to be. All right. And uh, today we're joined by Mike Strauss, the man of lots of different things we're learning. Uh, But as we talked about in our post to let you guys know who was going to be on the show, Mike is a sort of legendary coach in the scene. You've been playing for 28 years. You've coached some very big names. You've been involved in the history of some of the most, what's the word? Monu- not monumental clubs. It's it's uh, influential. It means like stru- and uh, like integral to the structure. Integral to the structure. To the structure. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you're looking for. I think that's all one word. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. It's going to come to me later. <clears throat> Important clubs. You've been a part of them for a long time, and uh, we are very honored to have you joining us. Well, thank yeah. you very yeah, much. Yeah, this is great. It's awesome. been a long time coming. We've we've gone back and forth on Messenger a few times, and you're you're always like, hey, let's get together, and here we are. Look at us getting together. Yep, it's awesome. Well, Love thanks it. for having me. Yeah. And Alex, if you could speak up a little bit, I cannot hear you over your shirt. <laughs> hey! <laughs> get him! I'm not saying it, I'm just saying Pour it on, guys. Let's, <laughs> Pour it on. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's already <laughs> on. Trust me. You know, <laughs> we don't need uh, any more help. Welcome into we the roast though? of Alex Seminary. <laughs> give, give me a backstory on that shirt, boy. So Liz and I were, I actually went to go get some, uh, a new suit jacket tailored at this store. I've never been to K K and G fashion, something fancy. fancy. Um, and it kind of looks like a thrift store on the inside. So I didn't expect to find anything cool, but it's all, I don't know, like very urban brands that I've never heard of before. And I just, I, along with the bucket head, I just wanted to dress kind of loud this summer. Mm-hmm. And I saw this shirt and I was like, Oh, it's got all these camping things on it. I'm going camping this weekend. And it was 14 bucks. And I was like, Nice. Use some flavor in my wardrobe. Why not? Flavor. It reminds me yeah. of a old suitcase where you would put all Throw. the stickers. I think that's what it's called. And the name of this brand is Born Fly. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. <laughs> well, Jackie definitely loves yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, he's very on board. Well, he's the sky police. So anything in the air or Born Fly, right? It's his job to bark. Uh, you set him off by talking about that. it. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. 
Got it. So well we're going to be talking about, once we get to the bangers and mash or the, the heart of this episode, we're going to be talking about biomechanics and form and how to throw the disc the right way without hurting yourself and just getting more <laughs> out of every shot, uh, which we yeah. we spent a little time right yeah. before we started recording doing a little bit and Mike blew all of our minds. Yeah. Yes, he did. So the goal by the end of this podcast is everyone that listens will be signing up for the tour on the second leg. Correct. Um, so buckle up. Yep. Because we're all about to throw 600 feet. Plus tax. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, all right. Dang. Let's, Let's go. go. Yeah. And just to sum up what what you were saying when we were practicing, probably the most important takeaway, I'll just foreshadow this. It really comes down to uh, what disc you're throwing and what trees are in your way. It's And luck yeah. has a lot to do and, with it as well. Right. Yeah. And yes, definitely, definitely how popular the disc is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, I've right noticed one. that myself that I when I start throwing a disc that's less popular, it definitely goes shorter. And <laughs> I have not figured a workaround on that yet, but I'm I'm trying. In time. Well, you need a time. Hades or a Zeus or a, yeah. sure. one of the new ones. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll teach you, Mike. We'll we'll show you. Yeah. When I was working at the shop over the weekend, towards the end of the shift, I was ringing out this kid and uh, I, I told him, I was like, I wish I had confetti stuck in the ceiling so I could get it to rain down on you right now. And he's just staring at me and he's like, why? And I'm like, because you're the thousandth person to buy a Berg today. Congratulations. Because <laughs> it's like once word is out that there's new plastic and somebody starts talking about it, it's yeah. like everybody's got to have it in their bag. And at it's this over. point, I know 90% of the people that are buying the disc don't know what to do with it. Sure. They just want it because their buddy has it in the bag and they're like, well, I right. got to have it in my bag too. Right. More power to them. Yeah. Hey, yeah. If you're going to put money back into Delwood and, and keep, you know, you know I mean, whatever keeps you in love I'm with not the game. being a hater. I just think I, I'm noticing the trends this sure. season. I think it's hilarious. Oh, yeah. to be a fly on the wall. Um, okay. So before we get to uh, Fired Up, I also wanted to call out that we are joined, of course, as always, by Sheila Callahan, producer of the show, Queen of the Canyons. Mm -hmm. And uh, Mike's wife, Wendy, is sitting in as well. Uh, Wendy, do you play? I do play, yes. But it's been a while. Um, my mom was ill, so I haven't been able to play for a while. But this year, we were able to go out and play once. So. Mm -hmm. does, I told Michael, you've got to give me some lessons now. That's what I was wondering. Is yeah. Does he critique you the whole time? No, actually, we, we go out there and we just have fun. That's, he what shows a, off. What a good guy. <laughs> Wendy, he shows off. Yeah. yeah. You got to keep the spark. You got to keep the spark alive. He's like, yeah. honey, 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 watch this long thumb. Watch, watch this, this long, this long thumb. thumb. <laughs> <laughs> she, she says, explain. Yeah. No, no, no. no, no, no. All right. No. So uh, with that all said, let's get the show rolling with a little segment called Fired Up. Fired Up. I almost today I was going to uh, instead of saying fired up I was going to say like an F word not the F word but an F word and then I decided not to right at the last second I was going to say fried pickles but I don't know if that was going to hit right Sheila does he practice the fired ups like in the shower do you hear him doing it it's all in the attic okay it's all in the attic everything's in the attic I'm just imagining you in front of the mirror like come on Sean you can do better you've got this you got it. Something fired up with that. <laughs> Stop being afraid of change. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a theme for this episode for sure. Yeah. Uh, but who's got something they're fired up with? Who wants to go first? I got two. Take the lead. Can I do two? One is one of your like signature parent dad moments mm -hmm. last weekend. My daughter has been terrified of riding a bike without training wheels. And Saturday she was like, Dada, it's time. Let's take them off. I want to ride my bicycle. 
like, all right, you're going to fall once. We're going to cry. We're going to go watch Umizumi and forget about it. And we'll try it again later. She did fall. Mm-hmm. It was terrible. Funny for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she got back up and tried it again. And within 10 minutes, she was doing laps around the little, oh, you know, yes. circles. Just and like, yeah. within another 20 minutes, she was a BMX expert. Yeah. And yeah, let's build a ramp. She's showing you yeah. tricks. Yeah. And so for the rest <laughs> yeah, of the night, she was just doing laps uh, and going to town. And so God, that I night, she could not have been happier, right? So the next morning, I wasn't home, but at about you know 9.30 in the morning, my wife sent me pictures of just the carnage of her knees and elbows <laughs> because she had been so confident from the day before <laughs> that she immediately jumped on that bike and just ate shit all day. Love that. Because she did that, we bought her a new bike. Her and I put it together um, on Wednesday, yesterday, and she's been riding since. And it's awesome. It's the dad moments you see on television. Yeah. I lived through that. And that's like one of the first times that I could actually like, you know, log it in my brain because it goes so fast. Right. And yeah. so it is fresh in my memory from this week. So that's that's one. Fantastic. Yeah, it's awesome. I love that. It's love great. It. Yeah. That little sense of independence that she was like overcome with. Like, I can do anything now. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was, and it was like, it, it was like, oh, it's going to hurt. And then it, she falls and it's like, oh, well, that wasn't as bad as I thought no, it was going to be. Right. And then it's like, and you, you can see sloth that away. And you can see that part of her like yeah. fade away. And now there's new confidence there. And it's oh, kind of topical because when we're playing disc golf and I want to do something new or try a different shot or do all the, these things, I have a preconceived notion of what I think is going to happen. Sure. And she has zero riding sure. a bike right. because she has no idea and zero experience. And so when she's going straight and I, and she's like trying to go in a circle and just not getting it. <laughs> and instead of turning the handlebars, I said, just lean. And all of a sudden you, the light bulb goes off and she leans and all of a sudden it's just perfect. Uh-huh. She understands by feeling it out instead of trying to think of what should happen. And it was very intuitive and it was awesome to see. Character so, building moment so and core memory. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was really cool. And uh, you said you had two things. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> nice. My Producer. S- yes. <laughs> Producer extraordinaire. <laughs> My second one is what I would consider the greatest television show hmm. of all time. All right. According to Jason. I'll no. be the judge of that. Go no, ahead. it's Continue. not. But it's called Alone. It's on the History Channel. Yes. It's just, yes. it's it's almost a reality show, but it's like they throw 10 people out into the wilderness and they have to survive by themselves. And the last one standing wins 500,000 bucks, right? Okay. Yep. And every time, every season, it's in a different location. But I watched, I think, season six and season seven, and it was incredible. Like it's educational, but it's also really funny to see this big, huge, badass guy's you know, Marines and they've done it all. And then they're on night two in the wilderness and they hear a wolf and they're like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And they, and they tap out, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very funny to me to watch that, mm. but come, come get me. Yeah, it is. <laughs> the, it is. The most, you said it's almost a reality show. I would say it is the most real reality I mean, it show is, of all time, but it's yeah. not fake. Like most reality <clears throat> right, shows are that right. you think of, but I watched those a while ago, forgot about it. And our friend Donnie messaged me and he was like, Hey, season nine's coming out. And so I looked it up and realized that they have all eight seasons now on Hulu on the history channel. You can watch for free. And so I have just Mm. been glued while I'm printing, just glued to the television watching it. And it's so entertaining for me. I can't tell It's so inspirational. Seeing what you you get to see the the sort of uh, depths of the human spirit. Like what can somebody do when they're up against? I get like. Destitute. Yeah. In season one is they're in the very Pacific Northwest, like Vancouver Island. And so they get dropped off and everything is like uh, brackish or straight up seawater. And so finding fresh water is a challenge. And And it's in the rainy season. 
season, everything they're on and standing on is just mossy mush, right? Mm-hmm. There's no solid ground. Flat, dry ground. Flat, dry ground. Once they get the fresh water and they find a source of food that they can kind of rely on, then it, it 100% becomes mental. Mm-hmm. And they immediately turn to missing their family and their daughters and their wives and how can they cope, you know, and they have Mm -hmm. everything they need to survive, but they don't have it mentally. And it's just amazing to watch. The people people who win the show are people who have the mental fortitude to keep yourself sane when you're by some of these people are out there for like six months, eight months by their Come self on. yeah and you're just it's just a camera just holding back, out it's a backpack with whatever yeah, you because brought, you don't you know how else. long everybody else is out there so you you're keep, just trying to right. be the last one no you don't you don't know how many people are left so you could be there for six months and for all you know everyone is still in the game so it'll be like some, once the last person is left then they'll come and get them and then they win yeah, yeah. yes yeah, yeah. No, the winners are still out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy from season. What three. good is five hundred thousand dollars? I'm in the woods. It's yeah. crazy. There's people like starving because they can't find enough food, and they're just talking to themselves, whittling, and yeah. just trying to. You're watching people literally either lose their mind or keep themselves sane. Yeah, it is Whoa. the most fascinating show. You know, you're selling it big time. That sounds great. It's, too. it's yeah. great. Like huge guys. Like like I was saying, like <clears throat> Marines. Like they've been doing it forever. They are confident. They've got all the tools, and then they just drink a tiny bit of the wrong water and it's over yeah now they have diarrhea for three days and they cannot do it anymore yeah and so it's it's unbelievable so i can't stop watching it so so do you think you have the mental fortitude for it uh donnie and i talked about this Uh i said 12 days and donnie said six to eight days and I think that's probably accurate. Really? That's yeah. the best you'd be good for a solid afternoon. <laughs> with, I would, you know, turn my pant leg into a hat and then, right. you know, and then, then try and duct tape it back, back on. into a pair of pants. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. The sun is in the eastern two-thirds quadrant, and I'm really starting to feel it now. <laughs> I can literally say anything I want. No one is going to hear me. Janice Plastic Boobs! I uh, second that. <clears throat> Most awesome show of all time. Yeah, it's great. But what about you? Could you? Could uh, I actually survive? Give me a, a, an honest time frame that you think you would last. So I think I have the survival skills to to like, you know, eat and drink and like survive. But mentally, I would not make it very long. Yeah, I mean, I'd cry. Yeah, I mean, three or four days, I'd probably be like, okay, this is plenty for me. I'm yeah. going home. Yeah. Liz! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would 100%. do the same thing. Hold me. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'm being cocky, but I'd like to think I could hold out there for a while. You should watch and then come back. I'd like yeah. to be in a situation yeah. where I'm being challenged to do that. And yeah. Just yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that. Every... Castaway is one of my all-time favorite movies yeah. because I'm like, I think I could do it. Like, yeah. I think I, I would know. survive. Yeah. Every one of those guys also said that. And then on night one, the first guy was like, I'm terrified. I'm going home. Mm-hmm. Like, just straight mm-hmm. up. I think like, I can shut uh-huh. off the f- Fear, it would be more like I can't kill animals, but I guess That's I could not if it work came to like <laughs> yeah. if it's me or them. Sure, yeah. that would be the mental hurdle for me. Yeah. Is like I'd have to see an innocent creature as my sustenance for the day. Yeah, like, the yeah. people who do really well tend to have these relationships with the wildlife where they like they thank the animal for like giving it what it needs, and they're like uh-huh. praying and like uh-huh. they have this relationship with with yeah. Mother Earth. And there was one I just watched where there was a fish in a net. But he had gotten there too late where the fish had kind of like gotten to the point where it wasn't able to be eaten anymore. Mm -hmm. And he was like really upset that he had a hand in killing that fish that then he could not eat. So it was essentially wasted on him. He wasted Hmm. that life of that fish. And it was like. Interesting. Yeah. it, It gets so deep. So well, more yeah. of that needs to be on TV. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. come on, stop calling real housewives, reality television. 
because what they're doing is real. You're just, it's a dude or a, a girl and a camera. Whatever happens, happens. There mm-hmm. is no producer involved. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll, well start you guys just want to shut down and go start season one upstairs? <clears throat> yeah. We yeah. probably find Seriously. it real quick. Well, you want to follow that? No, not really, but I will. <laughs> so I am fired up about today, Sheila and I, for the first time on the course that we're putting in here at Callahan Acres through discs. Mm-hmm. So throughout this entire design process, I have not thrown a disc on the fairways. I've thrown discs in the backyard like we just did with Mike out there mm-hmm. over the fence and down mm-hmm. the chute here, but never on over the, the fairways. Far away. Correct. Never on the fairways that I have been cutting because not in a, in a cocky sense, but from a designer aspect, I'd like to think I've been doing this long enough. Hopefully Mike thinks so too. Uh, <laughs> that I could visualize it. I could see a disc flying. I know what it's going to look like thrown correctly or or incorrectly from a bunch of different, you know, myself included. Sure. And, you know, I can imagine what it's going to look like when Ryan throws a 225-foot lefty hyzer. Max. So I, yeah, I, I yeah. kind of was like, I'm going to keep going with this without throwing any discs, just going based on my memory mm-hmm. of playing the game. Mm-hmm. And of course, trees that have been around for 50 to 75 years, I can't dictate where they are. They are where they are. And I have the landscape that I have. So being able to do that was a ton of fun. And, and so we threw discs for the first time today. So that was... Mm. That was that was a special moment today. Very we, we wheeled the baskets yeah. out. I don't have baskets in the ground yet, but we have the mock hexes on the stands and I brought three of them out and I threw a bunch to each one of the pins on the fairway and my first throw did go directly into the first available tree on the left, just so you guys know. <laughs> uh it wasn't until about a good three or four shots warm up that I hit the hit the line, hit the gap. But it was awesome. That's how you know it's a good hole. Right. That's what she said. Not yeah. too easy. Right. That's what she said. No, it's tough. It's a, they're tight. That's what she said on purpose because I wanted to, you know, be the toughest version, and also I don't want to cut too many things down now. Like sure. let let nature do its thing over time, of course. So not to rush it because it's it's a process. But how far away do you think you are from determining what first, far is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, from that. Yeah. No. Now from your first full round of eighteen with baskets in the ground, tees. I would I would like to think maybe by this fall. If, because here's what I did too. I started with the toughest hole. That's what she said. (laughs) So I know we've talked about this, but I'll explain one more time real quick. I'm doing three different fairways. Each one of those fairways is going to have three different pin locations Mm -hmm. and two different tees. So if you play through six times, you're essentially playing 18 different holes. Gotcha. So... I started with the hardest one first. That's what she said. I was wondering why no one said that last time. You can say it again. It's been hanging in the air. No, I missed the first one. Thank you. Yeah, I got it. I literally had to look away when you said, I started with the hardest hole and no one said that's what she said. (laughs) Just just, looking around like, hello. Yeah. He didn't didn't give us room. Yeah. So, so listener, did you yeah. see Ryan's proud look? Yeah. Oh. It was that was <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm that glowing. was a hallmark moment, my yeah, friend. Thank you. <laughs> listener, when it's in there later, just know that we had to edit it. Right. No, yeah. that was organic. That's what she said as well. Yeah. <laughs> so the next two fairways I think are gonna be a little bit easier as far as what needs to come down for them. Awesome. So I w- I would like to think this fall. I did also just order the baskets today. Oh, okay. It's real. So this fall is quick, dude. That's like yeah. next week. The thing about summer, though, is we get really busy with tournament season. We got three stacked up here pretty quick coming mm-hmm. up soon, mm-hmm. but it gets super buggy. Mosquitoes get crazy. They're, if yeah. they're thick in the woods, they'll carry you away. So I tend to <laughs> not do a lot of coursework in the heat of the summer, but I, I'm still confident that I think I get it done by the fall. Dude, that's exciting. I thought you were going to say like 
2024. Yeah. I mean, no. You blew my mind no. just now. Yeah. Once I get in the groove of it, like I have been, once I started this year, which was like three or four weeks ago, it's like all I can think about. I obsess over it. Like I just, I'm, I'm out Isn't there and all, even when I go to the shop or we have to go to Costco or whatever, like mm-hmm. I'm still yep, over in the fairway thinking about, okay, well, when I get home, I might have a little bit of time. I could cut this down, you know, because I'm... Mm-hmm clearing it all out and I'm cutting it all up and I'm burning it. So it is a process. I'm not just. It's one of the great joys in life when you find some yeah. project that you're really excited about. Yeah. yeah especially cool. as an objective person seeing it for the first time today, that it's your backyard. Yeah. You I just, mean, I, that's I, just like, that's unreal, which yeah. is so cool. I heard yeah. you from a distance talking to Sean, just like, oh, it's so cool back here. It is. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, asked I, him where the guest house was and what's the rent. <laughs> yeah. oh, we're, I'm interested. That's in the works yeah. also. If, the, <laughs> right. if we still have daylight when we take a break here in a little while, we'll go over there and just take a peek. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm sweet. Gonna, I'm gonna see it. So, uh, well, let's keep going yeah. uh, counterclockwise. Jason. Yes. What are you fired up about? Oh, well, first, I want to point out the mental picture of when you said the mosquitoes will carry you away. Yes. I imagine that scene in Wizard of Oz where the flying monkeys, the oh, flying monkeys, monkeys. are carrying, sure. uh, carrying her away and you see the little legs like kicking off of the back yeah, of the yeah, flying yeah. monkeys. Dun, 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 so, yeah. Yeah. Dun, 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 Absolutely. Uh, so, my fired up <laughs> is I had a proud Papa moment uh, oh, nice. as well. But mine is a little less training wheels coming off and more like realizing that I have a young lady at home. You uh, got your well, daughter yeah. a driver's permit. No, I'll do you oh, one better. Come on. I took her to get her nose pierced the other oh. day. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Claire's so, or? No, no. We went, we went to, <laughs> Claire's. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Shout out uh, Constable Tattoo in Plainfield. Oh, nice. That's cool. where I know where that place is, yeah. Yeah. We, Did you uh, ask if they would let us record an episode in their tattoo parlor i mean now that i'm i've got the in of spending money there then yes i'm gonna Sweet. i'm gonna totally. try to pursue yeah. that but i've been living living life pretty well because i'm like the cool dad that was like because mom was an easy sell she was like <laughs> it was just ask your father yeah if, sure and i sat on it for you know a couple minutes and like That's really weighed my said. options <sighs> and yep sorry. Oh, sorry i'm gonna put it on the tee i'm gonna let you <laughs> knock it out and uh and the score is what one to one now? One, one. No, I don't one, even one. try to compete with game. Ryan. <laughs> He's a doctor when it comes and, to And uh decided that I was gonna be the cool dad and let her do it. Despite nice. what my all of my my father's sure the, you know that's right. inside of me sure. saying, and his like, fathers and his right. father yeah. and yeah. Yeah, Did you have to many fight the urge? Not things the Callahans do, but yeah, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm gonna break that cycle. Was there any part of you that was like, maybe I'll get mine done too? I was gonna just ask that when you're getting uh, yours. Yeah, so that's what I've been teasing her is like, she thinks she's all cool, but like, wait till I come home and I right. have one. Your belly she, button pierced. She won't yeah. think it's as cool anymore. Just get a fake one. Yeah. Guarantee hers is yeah. out in 48 oh, hours. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Please. Gone. She sees Please me do with that. Gone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so right. Yeah. I yeah. vividly remember when you got your first ear pierced. Yeah. And going over to Grandpa Callahan's house. Yeah. And Dad was like legitimately going, go. I think he's probably gonna rip it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think Grandpa's <laughs> probably, probably gonna rip this uh, out of Jason's ear. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And sitting there yeah. at the kitchen table, like, does he see it yet? Does he see it yet? Does he mm-hmm. does he know? Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. He didn't rip it out. He didn't, no. But that it, it wasn't was uh, positive. Yeah. yeah, he had some colorful words that yeah. would not fly in 2022. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. yeah, but it was fun. It was a good time. That's, That's great. It's yep. a nice moment. You. Yeah. All right, let's let's keep it moving. Mike, your All first right. ever unstable Mike, discourse fired up. What do you fired up? About? Actually, I just had this conversation with my uh, current wife. I, I mean, my wife, Wendy. <laughs> well, it's the same. I was like, Look at, by the way, I told Jason this before we started. In September, we'll be 30 years married. And hey. to this day, congratulations. thank you. Congratulations. I still get the look, and it has two words attached to it. It's really 
seriously, and they're interchangeable. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what I strive. Look at it, it's right now. It's right now. I see it. Could you please confirm? Oh yeah. I get there's there's an upgraded version. Don't incentivize me. On the way down, it has to do with disc golf, but surprise. Fi- yeah, but fired up. It was like, cause I just had, I gave a lesson to somebody and it's running into the same thing. All right. YouTube's always talking about pull across your chest, pull straight across your chest. Right. And it's not, that's not what's really going on. And, um, I was giving a lesson to a guy, Joe, and he could not, he would stand up straight and just s- turn his shoulders and hips really fast as far as he can. Right. Cause this is what he's been told. This is what, how they, mm-hmm. they do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a thing called spine tilt. Um, and it's, and I'm going to get into much biomechanics now. We'll get into that later, but shoulders, shoulders over knees or shoulders over feet, the spine tilt, Paul Macbeth does it awesome. Right. To get somebody to try to do that. I remember a long time I said, you know, nose over toes and the person looks straight down and I'm like, okay, we're not going to say that anymore. Cause that right. didn't obviously work. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to get him to, for the spine tilt to be able to do this and everything I'm trying, it's not working. Sometimes either like a rhythm or music or something like that can come into play. Um, Because again, he was standing, just standing straight up. And I said, um, let me give you a song that will help you go into that spine tilt, Joe. And so I went, Jolene, 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 Jolene. (laughs) (laughs) This Brian Brian is running around the basement and eating pizza now. Oh, Oh, man. Dude, Mike, dude, did that one go over the fence? Did that one go over the fence? Oh my god, I can't even see it. Not using (laughs) binoculars. (laughs) I was one hundred percent cool. Where's this going? Who's Joe? What's his last name? (laughs) Right? Do I know Uh, Joe? I met him. I met him at a bar in Indianapolis. Oh my god! (laughs) But I've never listened to your podcast though. Jason, you're off the show. This guy. Mike, yeah. you're the new Jason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. My God. <laughs> well done, sir. Thank you. Well oh, done. Uh, well thank you very much. Done. <laughs> it took me a moment to wonder. Did we just become best friends? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, we have. I loved a three-second radio delay I got oh, with everybody's faces. Oh, well, I was trying shit. to figure out if it was a coincidence or were you a genius? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. When he started singing the song, I was like, wait, does he know? <laughs> does he know about the thing? The thing? The oh, Jolene yeah. thing? Oh, you set it up so God. good. Thank you. Oh, Thank you very much. God, man. Wow. That's my best Elvis in Thank you very much. Thank you, Zola. Thank you, very much. Thank you Wendy. <laughs> We're going in a trial. <laughs> I'm, I'm shook. Now. <laughs> I'm shook. Oh, I need a moment. Because I love you too much. Anyway. My God. Wow. Are we just done with the episode? Jesus. Just, yeah. yeah, I just. We I, could be. I put the music yeah. on. Better. I yeah. put the music on. We're good. Let's go long thumb out in the garage. Yeah. Long thumb. Everything is long thumb from here on out. Yeah. Just it. so you know, I'm going to, everything will be long thumb. Oh my Maybe. God. Oh, okay. thank you. You missed. Holy You moly. just knocked, <laughs> I think he just knocked uh, Clay Bilefus right out. That was. Sorry, Clay. That was tough yeah. to beat. Yeah. Party was tough to beat. Yeah. yeah he did it. Wow. <laughs> Pay attention, future guests. If you can sneak one of our own references, like if you can surprise us with one of our own references. Yeah. You're all of our favorites. <laughs> and I was like, how am I going to set this up? <laughs> Cause I listen to you and I'm, I'm like, Oh, I'm so going to fit in. Cause my mind's constantly humor. Oh, you know, so uh, it's like, they're going to catch on. I'm like, I can't. No, Where's with Jason, well, I was going to bring up like, would you like country or Western? Cause there's two kinds, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. and I'm like, these guys are too quick. So I better just hit it and get out and watch the show. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I went for the snake yeah. Pliskin strike. Yeah. You did. You That's hit so it and quit for sure. Wow. God. I'm spinning. Well, Ryan, you running yeah. around the basement. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. 
I could marinate on that for another 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'll give you, and while you guys are thinking and marinating, I'm fired up just, just to be here, just to be part of, uh, you know, hearing Sean talk about how this all started. You know what? Let's just sit around and talk about whatever and let's see how this thing goes and to see what's going on in the community and seeing what's going on for, with these kinds of things. And it doesn't have to be, uh, like Sean said, uh, did I get a birdie or a bogey? Because that's all that matters. There's so much to life that surrounds this. Mm. Uh, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing and, uh, and um happy and, and privileged to be invited. So thanks. We Hell lo- yeah. cool. Hell love yeah. you, Mike. <laughs> can I be your next? I love you too. Can yeah. I be your next wife too? <laughs> Absolutely. After, after the car. But then you become Sorry, the Wendy. current wife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and there's that look again. <laughs> Ryan, do you have anything you feel like asking me? Not now. What? Yeah, like sure you're, you're fired up about, fired up about something, I guess. I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, <clears throat> two things. First, I am glad that I can finally announce this publicly. I've already talked about it to people sort of internally, but like you cut them open and spoke to the I whispered into their yeah. intestines. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, That's interesting. I don't way think I mentioned this on the on the last episode that we My got. My ears are up here. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> There's a shirt that says that, I think. Uh, We were, Disc Golf Chicago was uh, invited to the club challenge. Amazing. I don't think I talked about that on the last episode, did I? No. Okay, great. Mm -mm. Uh, Yeah, that's something that I have been looking forward to for years and always kind of thought the people who are in there, like the clubs, they've been around for so long. Like, I don't know how you, like the only way we're getting in is if they expand it and they open up to more clubs. So I just thought. It'll probably never happen, but yeah, Mike Krupika messaged me. Actually, he asked, he set it up like, hey, can we have a meeting? And I was like, of course. And I was thinking I was in trouble for something. I was like, yeah. what did we do wrong? You're you done. Know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be, kill you. I'm about to be chastised for something. <laughs> You're against the law. <laughs> but yeah, he was like, hey, I just, I love what you guys have been doing. I think uh, you guys deserve a little, you know, opportunity to get in here. So they bumped one of the other clubs and we are in this year and very excited Ooh. for the first time ever for us to be involved. Awesome. Who'd you no, man. bump? Yeah. Dude. dude, I feel bad. Who'd you no, man. Skulls. Yeah. But the the justification of I talked to Clay about it by the way, and Clay's like, dude, don't worry about it. We're we're Gucci. Uh Skulls had finished, you know, sort of real quick. Yeah. What is we're Gucci? We're Gucci? <laughs> yeah, what is that? It means we're good. All right, continue. Sorry. I'm not 40 yet, so I can do that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> got it. Alex, Alex <laughs> Look at very, that outfit. He yeah. can say yeah. he can say it's Gucci, dog. Okay. All right. This and Alex also, is very street. This yeah. is not a loud shirt. This is called drip, Jason. Yeah. Oh, oh, that. Okay. Well, when you get your nose pierced, they also give <laughs> yeah. you a little dictionary of right. terms. Right. Yeah. So Maddie you would, would know, know if you had your nose is. pierced. Yeah. Okay, got it. Got she it, got gets it. it. So my ears are pierced, so I've got a couple extra years where I can say these things. Got it. Um, Continue. Yeah, our, our he really is, didn't know what Gucci was, by the way. Oh, you yeah, didn't? I had no idea. I thought you were he, No, he really did not know. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys. Jason here. I asked Ryan to add this to the podcast after we recorded it. With the untimely passing of one of my favorite actors, Ray Liotta, I just wanted to take a moment of your time to talk about one of my favorite movies, the Martin Scorsese-directed 1990 classic, Gucci Fellas. The 90s, wow. What a time for movies, right? I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about all these great movies. The Gucci Son, released in 93, starring Macaulay Culkin. The Long Kiss Gucci Night from 96, starring Gina Davis and Samuel L. Jackson. Gucci Will Hunting, 97, Robin Williams and Matt Damon. 
uh, who can forget 98's The Big Lebowski. Jeff Bridges and John Gucci-Man are so Gucci in that. Oh, anyway, back to the podcast. Oh, yeah, what condition my condition Anyways, our team is looking pretty legit. Like the the people who have agreed to play with us, I'm like very excited about it. Some of them have said, you know, they usually play with this club or that club, but they're like, yeah, we'll play for you guys this year. So I'm like I'm totally honored. There's always a lot of that at the club challenge where there's like dudes and I'm like, listen, you no, traitor, where are you going? Yeah, like, well, but some people just yeah, buy yeah. a tag for every club and just yeah. play wherever they can play. Sure. There's so. people that come down and play a lot of J-Town stuff that end up being, you know, I find out like, oh, you are from where that club originates. That makes total sense that you're flying that flag. So it's great. Sure. So it's yeah, great. very, very pumped up about that. There's still a couple open spots we got to figure out, but mostly the team is is pretty close to full and mostly, you know, committed. The only only person we're really holding out hope for right now is Dana. Dana said he might. So I'm like, that would be that'd be a, a huge coup. Dane of Vici? Dane of, of Vici. Vici. Of, of Vici? Vici? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. The Interesting. Avici uh, clan. Uh, the other thing I'm fired so up about. So now you're just poaching my people. Yeah. Is he, is he, he's J-Town like OG? He, he didn't say he was going to play with us. He just said he'll let me know. And I'm like, fingers yeah. crossed. Well, you wanna, I'll, you wanna, I'll text him later. You want a quick story about Dana? <laughs> yes. Does uh, it involve a trapeze? <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> um, we were at, I think it was a 2006 Illinois state championship. Uh, we were on the same card for the second round at Mokina hole two. Wendy was spotting Dana aced hole two and it slammed right into the side of the cage. It was silent. And Wendy is sitting there going, it's in, you made it in. We're like, what? What does that mean? And, uh, <laughs> and all of a sudden he realized he went running down. So yeah, he wow. was, uh, hmm. he was witness and Wendy was probably 20 feet away from it when it just stuck right into the side of the basket. So what year was that? 2006. Six. Yeah. Illinois States. Awesome. Illinois States. Yeah. 2006 or 2007. So, the only two. year that it was there, I think, because it was right after they had. Right. Put that course in a couple years yeah. after. Yeah. Yep. Oh, Stuck cool. into yeah. the exterior of the basket? Yeah, it bent in. So back then. It that counts? Legal. It did. Yeah. It, is, oh, it counts it again. Yep. Yeah. Wow. It yep. did, then it didn't, then it does, it does again. again. Right. Mm-hmm. That happens so often that there had to be a ruling on that? Yeah. Even like close up putts, you'll see it like. I think the wedging. discussion is more there's always a question of whether it went in and bounced out or did it stick straight in. And so for a while it was if you saw it, Mm-hmm. Right. And it didn't go up over and in the basket, then it wasn't. Okay. But eventually they just turned it right. to it's being supported by the basket, so it's in. Wow. Which is the That's verbiage right. that they've always used is supported by the basket. So because that can be so vague, yeah. I think that they've tried to simplify it by saying, Yeah, right. okay, mm-hmm. it counts. Because then if you put it and it's hanging in the chains, it's not yeah, the basket. It's not, so right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what we're saying is Dana, that didn't actually count. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So nice try. Right. Yeah. Avicii. And yeah. so he's probably fired up. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. probably <laughs> pretty fired up. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I'm fired up about is our Forest Preserve, the Cook County Forest Preserve Tournament Series. That is a new thing. We're going we're gonna to be launching all the public information for that very soon. Three different tournaments that we're going to be putting on in the Cook County Forest Preserve, uh, different uh, systems of the Forest Preserve. So uh, the first one's going to be at Rolling Knolls, which there's already a... A course there, so that's nice and easy, and it's a lot of people don't even realize that's a forest preserve. So that's like mm-hmm. that's there to protect the wildlife, the you know the plants, the insects, the animals. Uh, that's what the forest preserve is really all about: is protecting green open spaces and all the wildlife associated with it, and giving people something recreational and educational to do within that space. And I'm like, hello, disc golf, 
it's the perfect thing for you know every force reserve site should have disc golf is right like the the lane i'm trying to go down right uh the other two events are going to be at uh saint paul woods in morton grove and bussy woods in uh, elk grove if you know if you know bussy Huge space, great opportunity for it. Mm-hmm. The real focus of this is to make sure that the Forest Reserve understands that we're aligned with what they're aligned with. And so we've named each of the events after a different endangered species uh, you know, within Cook County. So we did a animal, a plant, and a insect. So we're going to be having the uh, Nodding Trillium open, which is a flower. That's the Bussy Woods event. Then there's the Blanding's Turtle open, and that is St. Paul. And there is the... Oh, the Heinz Emerald Dragonfly Open, uh, which is the Rolling Knolls event. Hmm. Um, so that's going to... I know there's already... The, the tournament calendar is already like booked up, right. uh, but uh, we're in good shape for, for all that stuff, and we'll be putting out details soon. Uh, again, it's all going to help drive a better relationship with the Forest Preserve so we can try to make disc golf more accessible to people in Chicago because there are forest preserve systems in Chicago that could support baskets. So it's all. Yeah. It's great. That's dude. exciting. Good job. That's awesome. Good work. <clears throat> uh, you said the events were na- Say that again. They were named after endangered, endangered species. species within Cook County. Yeah. So when is the non crooked government official open going to happen? Hey, <laughs> reaching zinger. <laughs> reaching. <laughs> zinger. Yeah. That's, um, there's still a couple like moving pieces to nail down, but it's coming very soon. We're all very excited about it. And I want to give a shout out to the people that have been making it happen, putting in the work. It's Danielle Sass, Jake Jackson, Nick Fords, Kevin Derrick, Eric Savoie. I'm doing my little part. So yeah, shout out to all those people. They're all going to be doing a lot more for uh, the rest of the summer. And, and uh, it's one in July, one in August, one in September. Stay tuned for more Dope. details. Trupeka, there were actually dates. Yeah. The only one we had an issue with is on the same date as the Shanny Open. The Shanahan Classic, sorry. Yes. Uh, and so I happen to know the TD for that. And you do. It is far enough away and a small yeah. enough field that it shouldn't be. Uh, Tea time, shotgun, what are you? Shotgun. 72 players at each event. Sure. Single day, two rounds. It's They're going to be PDGA sanctioned, yeah. which we haven't done that in a while. So excited for that too. Plenty of golf to go around. I would think. And if uh, <clears throat> we're not obviously like opening our registration until after. Shanahan Classic. So if there's any issue with Shanahan Classic registration. We'll continue talks with the tournament yeah. directors. Right. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll see them. what happens. You could also do flex. That definitely could work on a single day thing, which we right. haven't done any of that before. Super simple. Two rounds on a flex is tough though. Well, you don't do two rounds. Yeah. You single still do day. you still do sanction. You still do single day. And everybody can throw with all the homies that they want to throw with. Love and that. people that are playing Shanty Classic, and this is just because we have a lot tea of the times. same golfers. Yeah. We use tee times. If you're a flex, they could tee off early and still go to Get your thing. Get out of town, dude. Just something to consider. We'll talk. That's yeah, a really something to good consider. Idea. Flexes are great. Well, then that is a wrap on Fired Up, I believe, which means it's time for oh my God. the old Callahallander <laughs> Rundown. Oh my goodness, the Callahallander Rundown spring... Four or five point? I don't even know. It feels like summer, but it's not. <gasps> it's not quite. Wait a second. The Callahallander Rundown is brought to you by somebody. Oh, that's right. Discgolfscene.com. Come on, Pete. Shout out to the person that DM'd you on Instagram. Yes. Oh, yeah. Do you know who yeah. that was? Oh, yeah, I got it. Hold on. That still makes me smile. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-
here somewhere. It's in here somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Pat McNaughton, who slid into our DMs and said every time he registers for a tournament on discgolfscene.com, he hears, come on, Pete, in his head. Didn't he say it was his first time registering it for was, a tournament? Uh, he said, this is, uh, I'll read it specifically. Just signed up for my very first disc golf tournament. Yes, right. Uh, been playing for years, but finally going to get into the community more. All I could think of when I signed up was discgolfscene.com. Come on, Pete. Appreciate you all all the way from Minnesota. That is pretty cool. That Dude, is very cool. Very cool. I can't believe people are listening from outside of the Chicagoland area. We yeah. talk yeah. all we talk like about Like it's the beyond our stuff. friend yeah. circle, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah. Love that. Shout I out would, to Pat. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's so fantastic. Don't you? Right. Yeah. Sorry for throwing off the calendar. No worries. Uh, I'm going to continue to throw it off because I have been mentioning a lot of the same tournaments over and over mm-hmm. and over. Ryan knows because he has to listen to it how many times when he edits. So what I'd like to focus on during this Callahallander rundown is the fact that the Clash of the Canyons spectator and sponsorship registration is now open. <sighs> what that means is that you can register to become a spectator or sponsor for Clash at the Canyons, the Pro Weekend in July, July 22nd, 23rd, 24th. We've got a couple of spectating opportunities. 10 bucks is your cheapest. That gets you in and you can hang out. You do have to buy a spectator pass. So at the very least, it's 10 bucks. Or you can buy a badass $75 package that helps us raise funds for the event, which makes it even cooler for you. That includes like five or six different items really that we cool things. picked out and maybe even some of them purchased. Yeah, some of them were purchased. Yeah. One of the funnier, my favorite thing, I'm not going to spoil it. It was, it's it's an item that I'm not going to say what it is. We did, uh, printed something on the side of this particular item. And I had to talk Ryan into, Sheila's now getting it. I had to talk Ryan into doing this. He didn't think it was funny. I think it's hysterical. I'm not going to ruin it because I want it to be. We we did say this was a mystery pack, okay. uh, spectating mystery pack. Mm-hmm. So it will remain a mystery, but it will be funny. I guarantee. It, I didn't think it wasn't going to be funny. I think it's ridiculous. And I shook my head, but I did it anyway. Yes, he did. I was very proud of him. He thought outside the box a little bit. Mm. So it's going to be great. Anyways, <laughs> I did pick. So the ten bucks can get you into the event, I hanging the out. Another really cool thing: Lockport Park District is going to be there serving beer. They are also going to have axe throwing. Which what they asked me? Yes, Dave. I didn't even tell Sheila yet. Wow. I'm talking that. about cans or body Dave, wash. Dave, or? Dave Herman reached out from the park district, <laughs> and he goes, "Hey, uh, your big event in July. Do you want to have axe throwing there?" And I was like. Well, I do now. Like, yeah. I didn't know that I did until you brought it. And I was like, <laughs> what is it going to cost me? Or like, what, what what do you need from me? And he was like, I'll take care of it. It'll just be a fun thing that we do. And I'm like, oh, people will love that. Yeah. Because they're going to be hanging out and drinking beer and throwing axes. And there what, are what's, discs what's named more fun after axes and like hatchets and things. Totally. There yeah. is a hatchet. Yes. The is, VSC, the, is there an the, uh, the West or? Side Hatchet. Am I, am I crazy uh, in thinking there's something called I mean, an axe? What could There's possibly go wrong? My, my wife yeah, is hacks. dying yes. laughing quietly. She's like, Let's see, we got uh, drinking and, yeah. and axe throwing. And yeah, this is awesome. This is great. Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Right. Nothing could go wrong. It'll totally be fine and safe. Yeah. Just throw the axes when you're done playing disc golf. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Middle-aged sure. guys with undiagnosed mental issues. <laughs> yeah, right? Not in the Joliet area. Come on. Right. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, what I would like everybody to do with this Cat Hallander rundown is get their butts over to discgolfscene.com. 
Come get on, registered. Come on, come on, Pete. Get registered to uh, come out and spectate for Clash. It's going to be a great time. It was last year. We do have uh, some returning pros as well as some new faces. I know Gannon Burr still plans on coming out. Yep. All the local homies are coming out. Mm-hmm. Gavin Babcock has had a really good season this this year. Mm-hmm. He just reached out to me today. Uh, I had a spot saved for Emerson Keith. He is not coming. So I was able to give that spot to Gavin Babcock and, cool. you know, don't let anybody on the wait list know, but now Gavin Babcock is coming. So that's kind of a cool, cool that thing. That is dope. Yeah. So we got some hitters coming out. Uh, so get your butts over there, discgolfscene.com. Come on, Pete. And uh, also sponsors, please. We've got a couple of people. We've got uh, 10 by 10 spots. They're 200 bucks. You can vend. We've got a couple of disc dyers coming out. We've got some coffee people coming out. Uh, if you're interested in vending at Clash and you got some products, then hit us up or get over to discgolfscene.com and get registered, baby. Peter. Peter. <laughs> you're doing it. You're doing it, Peter. Using you're your imagination, Peter. Come on. Oh, there you are, Peter. <laughs> are we, is you had time? three is bags, it, dog. Is Cal Hallander yeah. done? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. Just get over to discgolfscene.com. Come on, Pete, and register to become a spectator or a sponsor. Please and thank you. Do it. Before we say, uh, before we hear from our sponsors, I have a a bag of sample popcorn from I think it's pronounced Popis. It might be Popis. Popis Gourmet Popcorn in Tinley Park. I was at Luxor Escape just last week, getting my biweekly treat yourself spa treatment, and uh, I saw these bags of popcorn. And they, <laughs> it's basically this new business that opened up right down the street. Uh, they have a good relationship. Actually, they have a, a promo where if you mention the pop, it's it, it's either if you mention, I think if you mention the popcorn shop at Luxor Escape, you get a discount on your massage. And if you mention Luxor Escape at the popcorn shop, you get a discount on your popcorn. I could be confusing those things. And if you bring Alex popcorn, you get a free massage, right? Yes. I have a Theragun, so I'm not going to use my hands, but I'll use my device. No, Alex Nieves. Alex Nieves. Oh, Oh, bummer. I was thinking Alex. Yeah. Alex. I can't oh. speak for her, but if you want my hands on you, bring popcorn. that popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I, uh, if you, anybody who's known me over the last 15 years knows that I'm, I have an issue with cheddar popcorn. I cannot not eat it. So there were four bags of this sample popcorn given to me to start and only one of them made it here today. Um, <laughs> so we're going to pass this around. We've got there some. There was traffic. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't eat dinner. There's uh, there's some cheddar and some caramel corn in here. We're going to have everybody take a, a little taste. And, the old uh, Chicago little... mix. Yeah. Jackie wants some. He's like, hey. Ryan, you were the first one to try it. Initial thoughts? I'm chewing quite intently over there. That's it. Oh, Give it back. It doesn't, that'll do. Yeah, it doesn't really get much better than that. I'm going to get one of each. I want a caramel and cheese. Nice. Yeah. Sweet and salty is mm. is the combination yeah, the of mm-hmm. flavors. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're passing on this opportunity. Oh mm. my, Wendy. Mm. <laughs> uh, and I'm gonna need to leave that here. Otherwise, I'll you know eat the rest with one handful on the way home. Jack can um, help with that. Group group thoughts. Very good. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah it's great. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So guys, <laughs> check them out. Uh, it's very very good stuff. And while you're in Tinley Park, checking this out, holler at Luxor Escape. And now. Let's hear from our sponsors right now. Hey, guys, it's Andy O'Day. You know me as AO, the mortgage pro, your favorite disc golfing mortgage broker. If you are looking to refinance, now is the time to go over those numbers to see what's going to make the most sense for you. If you're looking to purchase, whether now or in the next maybe 18 months, let's develop that game plan. So when the time comes, you're going to be ready to go. You guys know how to reach me on all the social media platforms. AO, the mortgage pro. If you guys mention unstable discourse, when you call me, you will get a free travel basket after closing. And now you can find me on Spotify and Apple podcasts 
We are live now, episode zero of Amortize This, talking all things real estate and all things mortgages. I look forward to speaking to you guys, and hopefully I'll see you on the course. Hey, Disc Golf family, it's Andrew Weary with Redemption Disposal and Recycling. If you need a dumpster, we are your go-to local contact. Are you getting a new roof, remodeling your house, or doing some landscaping? Maybe you're just looking to get rid of the old junk to make room for your new hyzer racks and disc golf gear. Redemption Disposal's standard size dumpsters are large enough for most jobs. The 15-yard dump trailers are on regular tires and hauled by standard pickup trucks, helping avoid any damage to surfaces, allowing for tight maneuvering, and the compact style helps minimize any inconvenience to homeowners. Our convenient and speedy service is unmatched, all at a competitive price. You can find us on Facebook at Redemption Disposal or email admin at redemptiondisposal.com. We look forward to helping you out with your future projects, but until then, we'll see you out on the course. Listen to Unstable Discourse on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or right from unstablediscourse.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, or subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have the time, leave us a rating and review, or just tell a friend. It helps the podcast get to more listeners. And we're back. With chickens. The chickens are here. Love those sponsors. And they are huge. All right, now it's time for us to get to the bangers and mash. And Mike, since you clearly have been listening, you know, at this part, we ask you to say bangers and mash with your best British accent. <laughs> okay, let me try this. Hello, bangers and mash. That's right. pretty yeah. good. Pretty good. All right. All right. Pretty good. All right. Yeah. yeah. Pretty good. I think I got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to, to push it just a little further. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That was good. Uh, the best version has the word main. Mang at the end. Yeah. Mang oh, yeah. uh, is a yeah. mash. Mang? <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Oh, Guzzo. Oh, Guzzo did it. Bang is yeah. a mash, Mang. Oh, <laughs> All right. So Cheerio. we have been talking a lot since we got here about uh, mechanics, and you have dropped so many terms that are blowing my mind. And I'm guessing you guys feel the same. Like, equally after blown. having played for 15 plus years, so many terms I've never thought of, never heard. It's like uh, Sheila mentioned, it, it was like talking to somebody from another planet of disc golf. Like, I'm so shocked that this these things aren't talked about more. Uh, so if while we get into the really specific things, you mentioned terms like you said, para, parabolic something. Parametric spin. acceleration. Parasi- there it is. Parametric acceleration. Parasitic acceleration. Yeah. We're gonna, <laughs> I'm going to stop you a few times and ask you to really talk through what does sure. that stuff mean? Because sure. I think you're operating on a whole other level. To just recap some of your credentials, you have coached a lot of names that everybody in this area that plays seriously will know. So can we go through that list real quick? Sure. Um, I, I know Brian and Tom Earhart. Brian and Tom Earhart, um, Paul Ulibari, Dan Schlitter, Kyle Offner, Dan Fairhurst. Uh, I'll be meeting with uh, Pat Richard. Uh, oh, nice. Saturday. Oh, nice. Um, Sonny U. Sonny U is taking a lot. Of, yep. Um, so a lot. Yeah. How is it that uh, you ended up being in connection with Paul? Paul Ulibari? Yes. Brian Earhart had reached out to me and said, hey, Paul would like to uh, to talk to you. Can I give you, you know, can I give out your cell phone? And I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And I worked, uh, so he called me. And when you remember that night, we were going to watch a movie and Paul called and we just started, I said, go to this YouTube video. And we ended up spending two and a half hours on the phone. And he talked mm-hmm. about some of the mechanics and he asked questions like, you know, have I been teaching it wrong or is this? Because, you know, he's he thinks that way, which is great, which is awesome. And uh, one of the first things I fixed with his putting was how he was holding the disc. And I said, you're literally putting uphill. 
when you have to lift the back of the disc up to go forward mm. versus, and that's, that's a supination, but in a bad way because you're supination. Lifting. Okay. Supination is if I have your hand, your right hand, write is out these there down facing, kids. Yeah. Right. Facing the ground. If I rotate my palm up, like I could hold a bowl of soup. That is supination. It's the rotation to up. I see. Okay? okay. Pronation is the opposite. If my palm is facing the sky and I rotate to the palm counterclockwise, that is a pronation. So it's a biomechanical term. For example, in a ball golf swing, each hand, one's supinating, one's pronating as it comes through hitting impact at the ball. So he was trying to lift the back end up. I said, well, if you go to the back swing and the back part of the disc is higher than your hand, to, to, to bring it back to flat, you're going to pronate it. The back end's going to drop. Gravity is helping you. Why not let that bring it to flat and go? So we spent a lot of time on that. Hmm. And then like three weeks later, he was up, I think it was when he was renegotiating his contract and he was in the, the disc, uh, disc craft and he was putting and he sent it to me, he goes, how's this look? You know, and then mm. we, and we just started working through that hmm. stuff. And, and so, um, so yeah, we did that a lot, you know, in video. And then, um, you know, the, the one episode where I went down, he said, I, I need some help with the, um, his, his, um, force over flex. And he said, listen, Ledgestone's there. Can you come down? And I said, yeah, you know what? I'll take the day off work. And we did. And we worked on it. We worked on it on the water tower hole and a specific grip, like a Nico LeCaster grip, what I call the long thumb. And it allows you to pull on the edge of the disc. If you turn the steering wheel or crest the hill, people who I've given lessons to know what I'm talking about. It's a way to keep that Anheuser angle to complete itself. And that grip allows that. It does the heavy lifting of that move, right? Mm. Of that shot. We all tried some long thumb grip throws Mm. uh, right before we... Right before we started. Yes, we, we did. did. What's, uh, what's the takeaway, boys? Takeaway was how important thumb placement is when you're trying to make a particular shot happen. When you're trying to shape your yeah. shot. And also yeah. how much of a difference the small changes were in, so, yeah. in the amount of effort that it took and yeah, and just the, the shot shape itself. So let's take it back one step even further. Had either of you three ever considered where your thumb is placed on the top of the disc when you threw? Barely. Very rarely. I I knew that people talked about it, but I didn't Uh know what was right. I didn't know if what I was doing was good or bad. I just, I knew it was a thing that the best players in the world were thinking about. So were you just doing whatever felt correct, comfortable? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. You weren't making a decision. It was just like. When this I feels grab right. It, to this me. feels right. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, exactly. On the same line of thinking, my question to Mike is: How many touring pros and higher level local players have been coached by someone in in your position to get where they are, or do a lot of them just say, "This was comfortable for me," and? I can all of a sudden throw 550 feet and I'm just skating along based on talent alone. Do you, do you know? I don't know, but there is a lot that say, you know, I'm going to use a universal grip ideology or a mindset, and I'm just going to figure out a way to make that work. But I'll give you an example to, to take that and take it even further. I was working with, with Tom, we were at, at Knowles and um, he told me about his last tournament. It was coming out a little bit early. Sometimes Tom's miss is, is an early hyzer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I said, let's go with the long thumb. Let's go with this grip. And it felt very uncomfortable at first. And it was so funny. And I got to give credit to Tom where he will embrace the uncomfortableness in change, right? Mm. And and I went through this, my own game, and I'll give you some stories um, later. But, you know, I feel that change is not painful. Resistance to change is painful. The only way to get past something, in my opinion, is to lean into it and to go through it. Trying to go around, it's not going to happen. 
So he was up there and it felt uncomfortable. But I said, you know, we're going to work on other things in your in your form. But let's start with the grip. If that could be a quick fix, it was kind of raining. You know, if you needed to grab something to, to fix an environment, like it's raining or it's wet and I can't get a good grip on it. If I can go to a long thumb, which you felt your fingers underneath, I can survive. Right. Yeah. So I said, let's just use this not as a Band-Aid, but give you more alternatives to make you more. And I like to use this phrase, more of a dangerous player. Right. Mm. So he's up there and he's throwing and they're, they're coming out clean. Right. Still falling comfortably, coming out clean. And he looks at me and he's like, he's shaking his head. And he's like, damn it. I mean, he's getting mad. He's getting mad because he's like, he turned to me and goes, I'm waiting for one of these to not work out so I can go see. I told you so. Right. Right. And I'm counting now. I'm like, well, you're 10 for 10, right? Mm -hmm. 11 for 11. And he finally, okay, fine. 11 for 12, you know, and and it was that. So I put a lot into the grip because it's what connects us to the disc. Now we all know that, right? Sure. But let's think of where the long thumb came from. I didn't invent it. When I first started, you know, digging into this in 2005, 2006, who, what pro on tour throws the, one of the best force over flex shots, Nico LaCastro. He takes overstable disc and he forces over flexes everything, right? Mm-hmm. You ever watch where his thumb is? Looks like he's hitchhiking, right? <laughs> it's a long thumb. I'm like, okay. So then I went out to the field, what I called my laboratory. And he said, wow, this just makes an easy turn. I can get into an Anheuser position, or if I'm going to roll my putter, I can even roll it way to the top of the lid where my palm is on the top. And I, cause I need it perpendicular to do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. It's very easy. So let's focus on that. And I'll end with this uh, for this part. It also comes from ball golf, you know, a right-handed ball it's, golfer. It's a uh, ball, but go ahead. Ball. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> you can either put the club in all your fingers or you can go finger palm. So that right there, that changes from a power grip to what I call backloaded grip. And backloaded grip, you guys, and we'll talk about that mm-hmm. in a little bit because you all experienced it. Mm-hmm. I do not mean that the backloading, the, the the three fingers that act as one finger is 100% of the grip and your thumb and your index finger do nothing. It's weighted 70-30. And there is no way to distribute that weight because if you're doing it correctly, the three fingers are acting as one finger. So they're acting as one, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have your pinch point up front. Your fingers are your east-west pressure. Your index and your thumb are your north-south pressure. You're weighted in the back 70%, 60%. You've taken the sling effect out of the grip, and you've put the last hinge into your wrist. And listeners, I know that doesn't make a whole lot of sense without seeing it, but it really, truly was. We were out there, and he was showing us exactly what he's talking about. And I went from a, I don't even know what kind of grip that I was using, but immediately put that disc in my hand, and he showed me. It felt like I should have been doing this the whole time. The first time I've I've ever saw a disc. Right. And so, yeah, what he he is truly. It is very hard to explain, but yeah. once you felt it, you were like, "If okay, I'm in control more now than right. I have been with a grip I've been using my whole life." Yeah, mm-hmm. and from a standstill, just a fairly slow release, it sailed, fired out of your hands. Yeah, fired out of yeah. my hand yeah. with no, yeah, with very little effort. And that's one of the first things I look for in anybody's release. Uh. I don't care where it goes, and I tell people, don't be a resultist. You know, new mistakes are progress. So a, as long as we have it. To, uh, so, such a great way to look at it. Even though they were offline somewhat, they fired out of your hands. And mm-hmm. then you got comfortable after three or four. Mm-hmm. Sean, when we went to the long thumb, I said, grab your most overstable stuff. And you threw four force over flex shots in the fairway. Yeah. Alex and Ryan both did the same thing. Mm-hmm. They fired out. They let they left your hand with I call, mm-hmm. they left your hand with purpose. They totally. had a purpose when they left totally. your hand. Right. And that's five minutes into it. Like I told all of you, wait till you go out there and say, okay, now I have 
something to practice. Because I truly believe this. Practice does not make perfect. It makes permanent. And the more you, you do what you do, stuff. the yeah. more it gets ingrained. And one of the things you guys all want to do with me, I tell people to do when I'm to put it in perspective is hold your hands out in front of you and take one thumb and put it up and put one finger out on the other hand. So you got finger pointing and thumb up. Now switch them. Now switch them back. Now switch them. Mike, now switch stop. Them back, right? Okay. <laughs> What? Everybody's looking at it like, what the hell? I can't do it. Make it stop, Mike. Make it stop. I put that in perspective because that's our neural pathways, right? Neuroplasticity. And I know I'm geeking out. But if switching from thumb to finger and back and Jason's forth. Jason's still trying to do it. It's, it's my body. Why can't I control it? <laughs> I love it. It's a perspective of saying, if this is difficult, well, good luck changing everything you do in a disc golf throw. Right. Yeah. Right. Sure. So the journey can be fun. The learning can be fun. I've always said, thank God, because otherwise I'd have given up on this 15, 17 years ago, you know, with the. um, Really? That's the X-Men theme song. I started taking a new medication. That's my reminder. (laughs) That was that was Alex's shirt. Yeah. I I didn't know it comes with batteries. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. Uh, I digress. <laughs> you know what? You actually, I thought this was going to come up later in the episode, but okay. we're going to jump right into it because Sean was talking about this before we started recording. You were talking about the resistance to change and the pain that comes with that. Right. And, uh, you know, new mistakes are progress. Sean, can you jump into what you were, what we were talking about outside? Yeah. I mean, we end up talking about mental health, a lot of focus on men's mental health a lot of the time. And I think that these things go hand in hand because of the struggle of change for men in general in their lives is very difficult. And we have this thing, disc golf together, that is supposed to be the escape. And we always have very little time to be able to focus on this escape. And when we are in it, it just the time is so limited that you don't you're not thinking about all the things that you are so well-versed in because it's, I want to maximize this time to make it the best time because work was shitty for the last four days and I finally am able to catch a break right now. I, I just think that it's interesting how how this all works and the amount that you need to slow down and think about what you're doing and change. Right. Well, to expand on that even more, I think the thing that's making play, these really great players great is their coachability and their being will like being willing to hear the thing that is uncomfortable and that they have to change. Is your mind will go through all kinds of Olympic stunts to convince yourself right. that you don't need to change whatever you're doing, whether it's on the disc golf course or in life. Uh, whatever habits you have, if it's comfortable, it can be very hard to break those habits. And it's the people that are willing to confront that, be a little bit uncomfortable, try the new thing, make some new mistakes that not just become better disc golfers, but can break all the habits in their life that are holding them back from like whatever bad ruts that they're in, whether it's you have the tendency to start projects and not finish them, or you have a tendency to whatever your your things are. We all have our things. If you're not open to hearing the thing that you need to change and not getting mad that you're being told like, hey, the way you're doing it is not right. Right. Good luck. Not just in disc golf, but good luck in In life. life. You know, I tell people, well, there's a big difference, in my opinion, definition of coaching and giving lessons or teaching, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If I'm giving somebody a lesson, it's one thing. Coaching, we're going to have some tough conversations and the kids' gloves will come off. But I'll start a precedence by saying, one, you only know what you know. So if you're born with a headache, you don't know you have one, right? So be open-minded with that. Two, unrealistic expectations are premeditated resentments. If you're not, if you're going to go into it with the wrong expectation, you're going to just be set up to be frustrated and disappointed. Mm-hmm. 
And that's why I've loved golf and disc golf together because it's you against you. It's you against the course, right? 100%. There's nobody else to blame. And if you can lean into that and say, I'm going to, I'm going to deal with uncomfortableness. I'm going to learn this. There's a great book by Eric, La- uh, Eric Lasser, um, the psychology of bowling. And, uh, in one of the chapters, it talks about competence leads to confidence, which leads back to competence. Competence is what we're able to do in the, and in, in what our skill set is at that moment in time. Hmm. The confidence. It allows you to then run with that, whatever level it is. And it leads back to the competence that it gives you the freedom and the ability not to guide a shot and to give it a chance to have fluidity, right? So they, it's that it's that positive momentum. But when it's the other way, gosh, this feels uncomfortable. I can't throw. It's mm-hmm. raining. Mm-hmm. And since we're on this, I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears for a second and I'll, I'll just give you a quick story. So there's a, a term which I like to talk about. It's reciprocality. Okay. So the reciprocal one over two, two over one, there's a differential. That's kind of where it comes from. Right. Let me say this next part. So it is a concept before anything flows, there has to be a difference. So between different elevations, water flows between different pressures, air flows, right. Mm -hmm. Between different poker players, money flows between different disc golfers, strokes flow. The definition of reciprocality says it's not what you do. That's the most important. It's not what your opponents do. It's both. Reciprocality says that if if two disc golfers would do the exact same thing in a given situation, nothing moves. But when there is a difference, th- there is a change, right? Mm. So we can search for in our game, in our mental part of our game, that brings on the tangible side too, of what could I do different to separate myself from my opponents? Am I going to make sure I don't party the night before? Or am I going to get to the course a little early? Uh, am I warming up correctly? Like what I suggest playing catch with somebody or doing uh, your warm up of your full range of motion at like 20%. Just mm-hmm. to tell your body, this is the sequence my muscles are going to fire in, right? And this reduces injury and, and I sure. have a history with that, right? So reciprocality says that. With that being said is look for things that you can do different in the future that separate yourself from your opponents, that give you more or create advantageous differences, thereby creating theoretical strokes flowing from them to you. So to go into that, now I'll give you a quick story on that. I was golfing with Dan Fairhurst and Sonny and a couple other guys and we were playing black bear and it was winter. Well, because of my backloaded grip, I can throw with gloves on with no problem. So, but it's snowy out. So I took heavy mittens and put it over my gloves. And I, every time I reached in and these guys are like, how can you throw with a glove on? Um, doesn't it feel different in your hand? Yes. I just answered yes. Yeah, it does. I shot, I think, 13 down and I beat everybody, right? <laughs> That's so ridiculous. So now I knew that I have no push putt very much because so I had to go to a spin putt. So I adapt. Golf is all about how do we deal with adversity, both on the course and in ourselves. So the next day I called Fairhurst up and we had our coaching session on the phone. And I said, I'm going to give you reciprocality. I made a decision to separate myself from all of you because you're asking me questions of, doesn't it feel different in your hand? Doesn't it feel, is, you know, doesn't it come out of your hand different? And I answered yes. But wasn't that the same with you, Dan? You guys were like, where's my hand warmer? I said, Dan, you look like a dishwasher. You're wiping the disc and wiping the disc, right? You're fighting with cold in your fingers. The difference that we're talking about is what, a July day when it's good for all of us? The difference right. is I chose my difference. When I picked the disc up out of the snow, my hand's warm, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I used to, to teach myself this because especially rain, I would go out if it was warm enough and I would play around in the pouring rain. And the rule was I could not use my towel unless there was mud on it. Otherwise, I had to pick it up wet. I had to play it wet. I had, I had to realize that pars feel like birdies today. 
that I can't throw full because it's going to slip out of my hand. Mm -hmm. I have to adapt. So when I got used to that, I'm in the second round of a tournament and it's pouring rain and towels are hanging inside the umbrella and nothing seems to be dry any longer. At least I have a way to fight through it. And that's my differential between other people who, or I can one step an entire day if the tea pads are muddy. Reciprocality. That mental part of learning that will bring you into the stuff you guys were just talking about of the overall life and facing adversity and how to sure. deal with it. So that's just a little bit an insight of yeah. what I think. I am also, <laughs> so I feel like I am taking, uh, doing coaching that's, lessons with you right now. That's how I'm I feel like, too. I'm, I'm I don't know how man. what to say next because I'm just soaking it all. I'm like it all makes so much sense. Keep talking. Well, that, that's the funny yeah. thing, and I think we were you know kind of talking about this before, when, once we knew that Mike was going to do the show was that all disc golfers, I would say 98 percent of them, because there's a two percent even locally that are pretty sound golfers mm-hmm. and understand all the concepts that you're already are talking about, but the other 98 percent have no idea and they're not thinking about it. Right. They're not even close to thinking about it because right. they're so worried about whether or not they get a two on that first hole because everything is going to be either up or downhill from there. Or, There's so much more to be learned about what we're doing. Absolutely. Yes. And and the other part of that is, or they believe like it's, it comes down to kind of their limiting beliefs of like, well, this is how I throw or like, this is, this is what I do. Like I can't right. do that because this is how I do it. And if you, if you're that rigid, how are you going to improve right you you have to be open to trying the thing that doesn't feel comfortable trying and you like, have to accept uncomfortability yes yes otherwise you're you're setting your own ceiling mm-hmm. right right you may and, become proficient at being bad right because there's mm-hmm. certain ways you could throw the the disc that says i have a much less of a chance to repeat a biomechanic move than that person does because of my kinetic chain Mm-hmm. My, my mind's off. So I don't know. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. if I decide to throw the disc left-handed, I have zero chance, you know, cause I just, I can't do it. Right. doesn't mean I can't learn, but right there, we don't have that sequence. So mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I think is really important that comes from that is doing it the wrong way and getting good at doing it the wrong way is so dangerous because you're going to be able to play for less years than the people who are doing it the sort of natural and the right way. Correct. You're not putting as much wear and tear in your body when you are paying attention to where the power is coming from, where the you know what's happening with your release. If you get really proficient at a bad way and you just think, well, that's how I throw, that's just my style. You might be shaving years off your game, literally. Because well, you're, how you're, many golfers do we know that are like, oh yeah, I'm not playing this week. My my back or sure. my shoulder right. or my elbow or my knee. Right, and it's a recurring problem for that person. Absolutely, yeah. And a lot of the people I've helped over the years, um, whether it's on the local course or what have you, they'll come to me and say, "You know, my shoulder's hurting." And I said, "Well, we need to evaluate your form to eliminate pain mm-hmm. and potential injury." Right? Mm-hmm. I don't care how good you throw yet. Right now, let's get you playing pain free. Let's identify that. And I unfortunately had to live it. I read an article in Disc Golf Magazine in 2008 said, "Throw the throw the disc like you pop a towel." And I took it literally. And if everybody thinks about what your arm is actually doing when you snap a towel, it's actually coming backwards. So I thought, oh, okay. So I'm going to go out. And um, I started throwing drives on hole 16 at Shady. And I was stopping my arm out in front of me, throwing as hard as I could. And I, the weight of my forearm separated my, my elbow. Mm-hmm. I had to go into therapy, you know, and, and uh, physical therapy and, and the cortisone shot. And thank God it, I didn't have to have surgery or anything. Sure. But that, I was already on the mission from 2005, 2006 of changing my game. That really got me fired up 
seriously, of like, <laughs> wait a minute. Was this person, was it written to be clear enough that somebody wouldn't be injured? Because if you really think about it, maybe what they were trying to say is your arm is actually the towel. What's a towel doing when you pop a towel? The ends are passing each other. They're actually going in opposite direction and the towel becomes taut, right? Mm -hmm. It becomes tethered for a second. That's what your arm is doing. Your arm is a towel. And actually, and we'll get into when we jump into the, the, the terms, the parametric acceleration, what I kind of coined the, the layman's term of the outward extension, because I personally do not like power pocket. And I'll say it. it doesn't tell me anything. Outward extension, I can tell you that when you're for a right-handed, backhanded, when the disc meets and closes with the left side, not just the left shoulder, the left side, that's where the disc starts to open up to, to 10 o'clock. If the target is 12, your release point is 10. It's not pulling across your chest and staying on a line. It's a lever. It's a catapult. It's a dual lever system that is opening up, right? And that is like it's being powered by something else because your arm at that point, your arm is there to guide the momentum created by something else. And that's your fulcrum, which is your right shoulder. They call it scapular retraction. When it turns the corner, when you brace and you turn the right shoulder, the centrifugal force swings your arm out to 10 o'clock. It's no different than a left-handed ball golf swing on a horizontal plane. So we'll break that down for one second since we're on that. In ball golf, my two arms are one lever. My wrists, or excuse me, my, my hands and my wrists are the, are, the, are the hinge. And the club and the club head are the other lever, right? And when we swing, it comes open. And your hands should always be moving slower than the club head. If you cast in the same, you don't have anything. But it's slower because that club head is being swung out with centrifugal force, right? Well, let's move all that up one level. The two arms become your upper arm. The hands and the wrist become your elbow. And your forearm and the disc are the club and the club head. And the divot where they hit the ball is your 10 o'clock hit. So I guess I'll go into the parametric acceleration. Here's what that is. And I'll try to be descriptive over the phone. If I have a string and I have a weight on the bottom of the string, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm pinching it between my thumb and my fingers and I'm just holding it there. I have a weight. Mm -hmm. My fingers are the fulcrum. If I lift the weight over to the side and I drop it, it's going to swing like a pendulum, right? Mm -hmm. I already know that. The bottom of that arc is the lowest point. If the ball golf swing was like that, then their divots would be very narrow and deep. But they're not. The pros take a shallow, long divot. They've created a flat spot. So how does that happen? Let's go back to that pendulum. I lift the weight. And what if when I drop it and it starts swinging, I pull straight up on my fingers? I pull up. What happens to that weight? It accelerates mm -hmm. and it accelerates on a flat spot. My right shoulder is the fulcrum. As it comes in and I turn the corner, this gets swung out. The flat spot is 10 o'clock. My hand is releasing the disc on the flat spot. That's why I don't aim. Aiming causes guiding. I align. I set the train tracks up. I have my four steps, transition, T, cross, and plant. I'm going down the train tracks. I'm moving in that direction. I stop, I rotate, I snap the disc out. I hit my divot, my flat spot, my 10 o'clock. Bowling has a flat spot. When they release the ball, it comes across the bottom. We're creating flat spots. We're creating alignment, not aiming. So all these things start coming in together. So then how do we do it? How do we hold our wrist in the pour the coffee position so we have wrist integrity? How do we make sure we don't lift up on our right shoulder as we're pulling through and we can open it up? That's the stuff that's tough. But understanding the concepts behind it, of where that power is coming from. I'll end this part and I'll questions. If I'm coming down the train tracks and my right foot plants, it's a kickstand on a bike. If that was a train engine coming down the tracks and slammed on the, 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 the brakes, 
those back cars would still come crashing in, right? Mm -hmm. That's the left side. That's the left side turning into the brace, which creates the coil. And then that, when the right shoulder turns the corner, it swings open. Change of direction in biomechanics creates acceleration as long as the power is not created by that part. What do I mean by that? If a roller coaster goes over the hill, the back car gets whipped around the turn, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's being pulled. Mm -hmm. The disc is the back car. It's going on a horizontal hill. It turned the corner. And the faster you turn the corner on that right shoulder, the faster the arm opens up. And that's arm right. speed. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that's arm speed. Not how fast the arm is traveling, how fast the arm opens. Right. And to become fast, it has to be incidental move. It can't be deliberate. I can't just swing my arm open and try to straighten it as fast as I can. I could turn the corner and swing it open. We've seen all those disc golfers that are forcing mm -hmm. that 280 foot shot yep. consistently because they are trying like hell to force their arm across their body. And Correct. That, that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. Everybody has seen it. Somebody who takes a, a, you know, full speed run up and they throw their whole body into it and you can see their huck face. They're like, they're giving it everything they've got and it just can't get past that right. 280 mark. Uh, yeah. It's just, I can only imagine how many listeners are, are sitting there right now going, okay, everything he's saying sounds brilliant. Now I need to go find a coach. Now I need someone to show me these things. <laughs> right. yeah. um, so any disc golf coaches, you know, turn your phones on. I'm, I'm expecting people to be reaching out because this is blown our minds. I'm sure there's people listening going like, oh my God, I had no idea. Yeah. And I, mean, I just jumped on. It's even making it. sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> if that tells you anything. Yeah. Wow. Along the lines that Sean was saying, you know, you, you work all week and you have a shitty five days of work and now you have three hours to go play disc golf. What... Mike just showed us earlier about that grip. I wanted to duck out and play 18 no, on man. the podcast. Yeah. Let's go do this now. Right. I don't right. need to play a round of disc golf. I'm going to spend three hours with all the mid-ranges I have in my closet, and I'm going to go try that over and over again until I get it right. And that has to become fun as well. And I think that is like part of something that we are also missing is you're not going to be good by rushing to Delwood mm. and playing around with your buddies waiting on every tee box because all the locals are there and all the, you know, all the moms are in the the creek with their kids and you're waiting forever and you're being stressed out, but you're going to get good by enjoying yourself with drills, with drills, drills and a field and some cones and right. And you know. focusing on what you need to practice. And that is something that I have never done. Right. And showing me those, just those two or three different hand positions has got me really thinking about, okay, I could really go out mm -hmm. and, and do that and enjoy it. You know, instead of, it's just like going to the gym, you're halfway through a set of, you know, whatever you're doing and you're like, man, this sucks. But when I'm done, this is going to be awesome. Mm -hmm. Enjoying that whole process is part of it, I think. Yes. So. And that's why I started my Instagram channel. It's Which my, is awesome, by the way. Thank Which you. a lot of what you what, had just talked about is on there. So please go, everybody go check that out. What's your Instagram handle? It's uh, Michael Strauss underscore 52. So, um, and I didn't, wasn't planning it. I actually, Brian Earhart had made uh, a statement in one of the telecasts and said, Ezra, why does he follow through to the left? You know, which somebody would break that down. So I decided, you know what, I'm just going to mess with iMovie and I'll just do it for him. And I sent it to him. I did a whole breakdown and, and did all that stuff. And then he said, well, you know, why don't you throw, you start an Instagram channel and throw it on there and we'll start. So I just did that for, you see a lot of the drills that I do. I do so many drills. I don't play rounds. Um, I have a whole one drill at Knowles that I do a lot with four or eight putters because there is a middle tree 
That's my depth tree. Yep. And then there's two, you saw that video, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then the two side ones and I have my short set and my long set. And then there's these points that will beat me up. Um, and I work on repeatability, replication. Yeah. And so find things that are fun, right to your point. And, you know, if you want to practice up shots, for example, play catch with somebody, how many mm-hmm. top, back and forth, 200 feet away. Don't, if, 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 if you're catching it, it could hurt. Just let them land. And then pick them up and throw them back and forth, right. you know, ingrain that. It's almost coming full circle in my mind from your, from Nora riding the bike, that moment when she realized what she could do mm-hmm. and like, oh, yeah. I can, I can do this now and I can get better at this. And it's the same feeling of. Yeah. And all those times that everyone was telling me, it, you just have to do it. And then you will understand that you can do it and get better at Correct. it. That was her moment that I saw specifically like in her eyes. Holy shit. I'm doing what they said I was going to do. We all need to have those moments. And then know? that creates its own momentum. Right. Right. Confidence I mean, like when I showed you guys and then and Sean, I said, you know, when you're going to do this back load of grip, which again was 60, 70% in the back, 30, 40 in the front, aim with the back of your wrist. Remember that? Mm-hmm. That's your point. Not look down, but just you're going to throw the back of your wrist at your line and let your hand open up. That's that tendon bounce. And you guys threw it. But without that piece of information, mm-hmm. you're only going to get what you get because you're only doing what you're doing, right? It kind of highlights what one of the things that I used to say, like why why I thought we all loved disc golf so much was, I mean, there's a lot of things, there's a lot of reasons, but I think the feeling that most players are chasing is the feeling of knowing you just did exactly what you were trying to do. And like you were, you were... Like hitting the line is the best feeling. It's it's better than getting a birdie. It's better than winning a tournament. Maybe I don't know. I've never done that. But, um, <laughs> yet. but just knowing that like the disc came out of your hand exactly the way you wanted it to, and that you 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 hit the you shaped it the just the way you wanted to. That matters so much more than whatever else is happening in that round. We're all chasing that feeling of knowing that I was a master of my body in a way that like I did exactly what I would want it to do. Correct. And it's like such a cool human thing to take a piece of plastic that's shaped like a circle and throw it through the air right? with the slightest, like cal- you do all these calculations and get it to do exactly what you want it to do. That is the feeling that I've, I've always chased when I played disc yeah. golf. And I think you all felt it out of your hand, how clean it was, right? Effortless. Totally. Yes. Right? You yeah. know, and then I always tell people, don't try to make a great shot, make a good shot. Mm. right? Just make a good shot, a repeatable good shot. Mm-hmm. Some of them be a little bit, a little bit worse, but if I'm going in that direction, you always have to have a scramble game in disc golf. If you can f- fine tune and, and minimize the mistakes, mm-hmm. you can stay within that game. And that's why we talk about, when I talk about shot shaping, shot shaping is hyzer, anhyzer, whatever you want to do to shape the shot, but it's within the parameters of the fairway and no more than 15 feet in the air. That rectangle is shot shape. Doesn't mean you don't throw shots outside of that. Mm-hmm. But what if 60, 70, or 80%, depending on the course, are within that rectangle? And you can replicate shots within that rectangle 70, 80% of the time. And think of what you're going to do to your score. Mm-hmm. Right. Right? That If I can knock out the bulk of my shots and work on spike hyzers or crazy annies or rollers or whatever, scramble shots, granted. But if I got the the, the heavy lifting, the, the meat and potatoes of what my game is going to be requiring. The bangers and mash of your game. Right. Mm-hmm. Bang, right. The bangers and mash. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> bang, well, bang. The, the meat and potatoes. Bang. Bang. <laughs> Shot shaping. I, I find that very interesting because uh, I was overhearing you guys talk about that. And it leads nicely to a question that came through in the mailbag. 
Uh, we're not getting to the mailbag, but I just happened to be perusing it and saw this. And this question is from Ryan Aquino. He says, if you had two disc golfers that were both 6'6 and 5'6, their height, okay. what, and both with perfect form, would they throw the same distance? Meaning like in a hypothetical vacuum, same exact condition. Like if they're both shot shaping, are they... If they were both, and this is where it's it's hard to answer. And here they're I'm going to preface There's a foot difference this. in height. Yeah. You know? yeah. No, I get it. And that means their wingspan is different. Yes. Right? Exactly. Totally, right. completely understand. Uh, and it's a great question. You know, I take a look at Macbeth and there is so much, and this is for maybe even a whole nother podcast, what we do. The There's a baseball underlying undercurrent from what they've learned that transitions mm-hmm. over that uh, from batting, the weight shift. I look at the range of motion of what Macbeth does And it's amazing the power he generates in a very compact, controlled. He's a tiny dude. Yeah. Well, and there's little things like inversion and eversion of where his back knee is coming in. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, he's adorable. It's a Um, precious little nugget. Yes. (laughs) But if, if everybody had that same training and had that same baseball and could do what he does to that level, I would have to say the edge would go to the taller person because the the bigger the catapult, the bigger the arm on the catapult, sure. the more velocity. Right. Yeah. I mean, if if we did, but that it would take the perfect stars. I mean, I get why and it's a great question. I don't think we'll ever know um, right. you know, to that level. But is there a if I was to say I want a golf swing in real in ball golf, um, I would go after Tiger's golf swing, right? I would want that perfect swing. I think Macbeth well, is very close to that, in my yeah. opinion. Well, when they do the, you know, longest drive competitions, they yes. use the giant longer clubs to get more distance because they can get a better, higher, longer faster arm. club. Correct. Mm-hmm. So I, that answer would, I guess, go to the taller player. But yeah, again, the stars would have to right. absolutely align. And, you know, the, the, the long, long ball drivers, when you see them, they're stepping, they're coming out of their shoes, right? Mm-hmm. And they're... There's John Daling it where the club on the backswing is literally facing yeah, the you ground on the other on the side. Other, it's right, facing yeah. and coming yeah. around. So, right. you know, that's that point of where is accuracy and distance starting to go down a fork of the road, going opposite directions. Sure. Where yeah. do we pull that back? Yeah. And I think I'm going to end that one with, I would like to, I think if we were talking golf distance, I think that the, the it would be closer than just raw distance. Do sure. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's good news for us. Five foot six and a half. Yes, sir. Guys like Sean Kelly. Five seven. Uh, Round up, man. Round up. Uh, (laughs) Because we don't need to be the Dan Schlitters to throw that distance. It would be nice to be Dan Schlitter. uh, Sure would. But we don't need to be. It's good news. This is good news. Man, now I really just want to get into the mailbag because there were so many questions. I feel like we can actually actually address a lot of them. There's a lot of great questions. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. that you wanted to No, I think that. No, No, because I think it's just a good discussion point. You know, it's good. um, But I think, again, I'll just end it with, with what I said is if we were talking true golf distance, controllable golf distance, I think the advantage, but I don't think the separation would be that big. Okay. Because of the weight of the body coming in and how hard it can be hit. Before we get to the official mailbag questions, Sheila had a really great question earlier. Um, I want to make sure I get it right. You, the base, basically the way you framed it was if somebody came into the shop and they bought a beginner set, they're like brand new to the sport. Was your question, what advice would, would Mike give that player? So if somebody wanted to start with a, a basic, what is there? There's a driver fairway and a our driver, Sensei, a magician and I can't remember Come the on. third. Come on. You got it. It's it. right there. Maestro. <laughs> That's it. Yes. 
Sean, Sean was playing back. charades over here. Yeah. Very well, man. Well, yeah. Coached by the boss. All right. <laughs> Two words. First word. Sounds like. Sounds like. like movie. Yeah. It's a movie. So they've um, got their three basic discs. They want to get into the sport. What's the advice you're going to give them to help figure out the, the their mechanics? Like get them on a good path. One, neutral to understable. I don't care what brand it is. Neutral to understable. Um, and neutral disc for any level gives you more options to throw. So get used to that under stable. And I think we all have seen it. Anybody when they first start throwing, I don't care if it's a driver or a mid range or a putter, they all kind of go about the same distance. You know, they kind of yeah. go up and they hyzer down. So I would put um, a putter in their hand, um, whatever they like, again, neutral to under stable. And I would do uh, the same thing in a mid range and a leopardish type speed six speed seven understable even though they're going to get all the same the reason i say that is get the feeling of holding different rims that's it they're all going to go about the same distance right but why not get comfortable with oh i'm using the driver for this the mid-range is kind of my seven iron for this and then my putter is for this and, and just learn them um when wendy goes out when we play she loves her dx leopard she has her leopard and her putter and she throws it 150, 175 feet, just kind of straight up the fairway, does a, does a one step and just keeps it in play and has a blast. And right. that's her go-to. So yeah, I would do that. And from a lesson standpoint, whenever I'm giving a brand new personal lesson, I show them how to hold the disc. I line it up there like I showed you in the webbing and what mm -hmm. that feels like, the, the north, south and east, west pressure, because it relaxes the wrist and they don't have to squeeze it tight and it'll stay in their hand which means they're going to create a little bit more arm speed and keeping that wrist integrity and just don't reach behind your back. I don't tell them about obviously the parametric acceleration. We don't go there. Right. <laughs> but if I can just stop them from reaching behind their body and if they were from six, if the target's 12 o'clock and straight behind you, then is six o'clock, I want to see six to six thirty, and just go throw. However, it feels comfortable. If they're keeping their wrist in that in that position, that integrity, and they're holding it correctly and the disc isn't behind their body. However, they're going to work it out from there. That's mm -hmm. all I, and I leave it alone. Mm -hmm. Go have fun. When that becomes more comfortable, you know, start it with a one step or a no step. If they want to see the three steps, the, the, show the X step, just the three. But other than that, that's all you need. Not behind your body, six o'clock or beyond for right-handed backhand, pour the coffee, flat and flat, back grip, go have fun. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. That's so simple. Mm -hmm. That's what I say. So I'm doing a good job. Thanks, Mike. You're welcome, Sean. <laughs> Validation. All right. <laughs> Validation at its finest. <laughs> we haven't gotten into the mailbag in a minute. Yeah. It's been several episodes. So I believe if you want to start us off, it's mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. All Ooh, right. That was pretty good. Let's get into the good one. That felt good. Are you guys as hard as I am right now? Yeah. <laughs> Let's start things off light. I got a question from Clay Bielfus. Oh. The okay. mayor of Crest Creek. Yep. He wants to know which pro in particular is your favorite to watch throw. From a mechanic? It, it from can't a, be one of us. It has to be. Obviously. Well, yeah, then I don't obvious. have an answer. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Yes. Moving on. Next question. <laughs> Mailbag. Can we sing again? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Paul Macbeth um, is my favorite to watch because of just his overall mechanics and, and how he, just how he plays the game. Eagle McMahon is another one that I really like to watch. I like a lot of them, but if I had to pick a favorite, it would be Paul Macbeth. Just because of um, because of the mechanics and how he plays the game. That would be you ever answer. seen Eagle McWoman throw? 
I have not. I just saw that today on Instagram. Yeah, I don't know who crazy. posted it, but it was yeah, funny. I think it was maybe PDGA Rodman or it's one of those dudes. Fake mm. PDGA, probably. Yeah. All right. Next question. Next question. question. We'll call them questions from now. Question. Uh, this is from the Wonderkin, Patty Rich. Uh, if you could host a disc golf poker game with any players in the world. Who would you invite to the table? Well, now you can see why my Instagram ends in 52, 52 cards in the deck. So do the math. Oh. I've been known to go to the felt a little. Before you yes. answer this question, I found a trivia fact that is absolutely the most mind-blowing thing I've heard in a long time. All right. If you put a billion planets around every star in our galaxy, and there were a billion people on each of those planets, and you gave each of those people a billion decks of cards and they were from the big bang to shuffle the decks every second the amount of combinations of the cards that can be in a 52 card deck would just now be getting to the end of how many they are in present day wow i mean to say that if you shuffle a deck of cards my alex your nose is bleeding yeah right (laughs) i'm just like yeah if you if you shuffle a deck of cards You can almost guarantee with certainty that that combination of cards has never been been. ever in the history of... In the history of cards. In the history of cards. Yeah. The takeaway is only 52 of something has that many different combinations. Mm -hmm. It's basically uh, a factorial, I think is what it's called. Yes. It's 52 times 51 times 50 times 49 times 48 all the way until the end. But that number is so astronomical that you can't comprehend it. But you are holding that many combinations in your hand with just a a 52-card deck of cards. It's crazy. Thank you, Sheldon Fancher. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Continue. Next. So who would I hold? Okay. Being a poker player, we want certain types. So uh, Macbeth, because he's got a big bankroll. Um, Nico LaCastro because he could probably easily go on tilt and Mm -hmm. give away all his money Um, probably unless the deck runs over him and then they're the toughest players because we have big pots yeah Drew Gibson because he's shy and introverted so I'm sure he'd be good for the game Hmm. Um, who else Paul Ulibarri because he plays he does um, play and talks cards. about it and uh, if I had to pick one more I was thinking who I did I wouldn't um, Calvin Heinberg I probably wouldn't want in case he's a good player and you can't read him. You can't. Right? Yeah, he's, I mean, like, he's a robot. To, right? He's a robot. Does he have right. feelings? Is he yeah. I don't think so. Domo um, arigato, Mr. Robot. Heimberg. Domo, yeah. domo. Domo, domo. <laughs> Mr. Heimberg. That's awesome. That's all I can think of right now. All right. Next question comes from Jenny Cook. She wants to know when is the podcast? That's right now, Jenny. Great question. Next up is Casey Glenn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hang on. Hey, Jenny. Next time. Tell Matt just to ask it and stop being a wimp in the background. <laughs> Casey Glade has a question. It's the morning before a tournament. How do you prepare for the round? Stretches, practice, etc. One, try to get enough sleep the night before. Two, make sure that for me, I get everything packed the night before so I don't have to think about it. I want the morning to be as stress-free as possible. Just kind of just chill, just do the thing, not feel random, feel um, Control. You know, like I've been here before. Uh, when I get there, I putt. I don't, I don't put anything beyond uh, circle's edge because one, I don't plan on being about side of circle's edge. Hey. And two, I, you know, we've heard this. I want to practice making it. I want just dialed in. Oh, we, Is, we talk about that all the time. We see guys outside of the practice basket while we're in the shop. footers and I'm like, what are you when doing? When are you going to have those in the round? Yeah. And how many Hopefully of those never, are you going right? to make? And why are you practicing missing? Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
throw some 15 footers in and be confident about it. I feel really good. I just attempted 47 of them and I didn't even hit metal. So I'm ready. Right. Yeah. But, uh, I'll practice 10 and 15 footers, the most academic ones, because one of the things I do is I push putt specifically for that because the disc folds into the chains, right? Mm-hmm. I, I literally want to make sure I'm feeling the release and, and it's it's hitting softly and then just feeling comfortable from 20 and 25. Because mm-hmm. if I feel one of the guys that I'm coaching out of Cincinnati, Ohio, his name is Jonathan, uh, we've been grinding his putt for a long, long time, uh, probably three, four, almost four months now. He just sent me a text today. He hit... Uh, 197 out of 225 footers, Ooh. right? He's wow. not the putt beyond 25 feet. Get that dialed because circle's edge is only eight more feet. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right? Eight, mm-hmm. more, eight more feet. And the power, here's another thing, the power that it takes to make uh, a 33 footer is really the same power it makes to 25 or takes a 25 footer mm-hmm. because That's it didn't brilliant. just land in the basket. It hit the chains. It's still got plenty of right. power to go eight right. more feet. Stop you're, worrying you're about eight feet. Half. Right. So if you've got 15, 20, and 25 down, circle's edge is get that. So I'll do that and then um, try to play catch with somebody just to kind of loosen up the arm more of a throw. And then I will throw full drives at 20% speed where I'm going through the full range of motion, but I'm, it'll, leave my, it'll go 75 feet, mm-hmm. right? I'm getting my body to say, this is, here's the, the, the chain of events. Here is the muscles are going to fire in this order. Kind of get the blood into that chain. All right. So that's I, what I, I love do. that because this next question is on that topic. This is from Josh Schenkenfelder. He says, I have trouble with my pull through starting before my, my plant foot hits the ground. I feel like I've built my throw around that habit. So I tend to overthink when trying to consciously get my foot down before pulling through. Tips for fixing. Tips for fixing is this kind of, there's going to be mechanics. Okay. Stop doing that. <laughs> Just stop it. Josh, Josh. stop. See, doing that. You know what? Come on, dude. See, Jason, I told you there was no reason for me to be here. We have Ryan. Yeah. 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 Just stop doing it. We've had enough, Josh. (laughs) Cut it out. (laughs) My wife just looked at me and said, see, you didn't have to watch those DVDs for 14 years. (laughs) You should have called Ryan. Yeah. (laughs) I've been here the whole time. 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 (laughs) One of the things that will, will help, I'll give you two timing things. And this discussion could go on. And this part of the throw for a long time. One is the disc and the left foot in the cross. Again, I'm going to stay with right-handed backhand. When the, the disc and the cross step, the left foot come behind, they stay lined up. They get lined up and they go into the back swing at the same time. The disc stays above the left foot. It should not be out past in the back because your arm is there too early and you're going to pull. Okay. The next thing is your hips and your shoulders are aligned at the target through the T-step, the cross step, the first half of the plant step. It's called the point of no return. When the right foot crosses over the left, when your left foot gets past perpendicular, you're going to go forward whether you like it or not. But if you hang back and you counterweight, you're going to stop. So if your hips and your shoulders go straight towards or stay aim straight at the target until halfway into the last step, you can't pull through early. You're going to land on your foot, whether you like it or not. So we'd have to look at some tape, but a lot of people are either turning into the backswing, either during the cross step or as they start reaching forward with the right, with the right foot, which is wrong. Nothing, nothing moves except for the feet until 
halfway into the last step. Everything happens in the last half of the last step. Your hips, as you land on the, the your big toe and the big toe knuckle with your heel up in the outside, your knee's going to be inside the, your ankle. Your weight's going to be in the back. And when you drop it down, your hips are 45 to the back, will turn 45 to the front, and that's all the weight shift there is. And that will that is a good start to not pulling through too early. It's a timing thing. So again, those two things, make sure that the disc in the left uh, foot and the cross step line up and they stay stacked. And two, don't do anything with the shoulders and hips until the last half of the last step. Start there. And I know it'll feel really weird and awkward and put yourself on film, but at least that gives you a couple of timing spots. Hmm. That's great. Cool. So this next question has to do with putting grip. But before we get to it, I have a question because I've heard talking shop. Sometimes the disc has a bead or a baby bead on the bottom. I've heard you guys say, and sometimes they don't. Is that a a choice for grip or a choice for wind resistance or lack thereof? What is what is the deal? Why do some have it and some don't? There's different ideologies on this out there. To me, it's a preference, but I don't know if it changes, you know, how the disc flies. Or if it's more of a feel or... Well, you know. with as much as you've talked about, one of you, I, who, which one of you when we were outside said when you threw, you felt like the disc was part of you for the first time? Oh, me, for sure. You, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So there is something to be said for literally how the disc feels in your hand. Mm-hmm. So the addition of that bead or subtraction seems like it's a grip thing. Is is that the case or is it not? In my opinion, it is. Um, I putted with KC Pro Aviars for almost 16 years with a bead. But when some of them got beat up, their bead kind of went away. I never said, I can't throw this putter anymore. And um, two years ago, switched to the Lunas because same neutrality, same flight. I liked the rubber blend, the, the, the tackiness of it. And it was on average about 15 feet longer. So for all those reasons, I switched. But I never once thought, well, now I don't have a bead. For me, it doesn't make a difference. Okay. If it's comfortable in your hand and it's a neutral fly, you have one smack a tree and it's going <laughs> to, how it's going to fly is going to completely change. So right, right. yeah, for me, it's just, it's just feel. So with that being said, uh, Adam Disc Golf, who is that on Facebook? Adam Marbs. Adam Marbs. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. This is an Adam Marbs question. He says, putting grip, index finger on the rim or under it? Do you recommend extending fingers on the underside of the disc or more of a curl, soft rim grip, basically where should I put my fingers? All right. So I can tell you exactly where to put your fingers. Uh, <laughs> again, what? Ryan yeah. has That's the answer. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Next. In no, your I'm butt. <laughs> In your butt. Yep. Your butt. And stick it up your butt. <laughs> uh, shout out to Adam Marbs, by the way. He's had the number one tag for, I think, a month, and he's come out at least three times to our Monday Night Leagues, and he keeps leaving with the one tag, giving everyone a chance to take it. Nice. Him and Jeff Svokota shot a 39 at KLM the other night. Yeah. That's great. a good pairing. That's there. okay. That's, That's just pairing. okay. That's decent. Yeah. Yeah. So with the putting grip, I'm going to give my opinion on that first point. I do not recommend ever on any shot. For any reason, do anything to anyone for any reason ever, no matter what, no matter where or who or who you are with or or where you are going or or where you've been ever for any reason whatsoever on any shot the index finger being curled around the edge of it and here's my reasoning and people there's people who do <laughs> either one the disc has to travel around the finger or two i have to break my wrist open to get it to release just straight. To to release. Okay. okay. Yeah. And I don't I want it. I don't want to have to do that. If I drop it even just a little bit underneath, it's going to, and I'm doing this for everybody here, going to roll across the top. 
That's what I'm looking for right here. Okay. Now, whether it's hooked underneath, whether it's just slightly, it doesn't matter. I just don't want it curling around the edge of it. Well, I put something in the way of the flight. Correct. And then I have to adjust and counter off of it. The rest of it is how you putt. So for example, my push putt, my fingers are out on the plate. Now, Sean, let's you and I talk, because I showed you this out there. Mm-hmm. Sean's fingers were extended straight underneath the plate, right? So they're, they're, they're straight. Well, that is the finishing point of the throw. So if you start there, you're going to have to compensate with a bigger muscle. So by curling a little curl on the fingers there, I can create a finger push or a finger pop. Meanwhile, you two were standing around, finger popping each other's assholes. We're not finger popping each other's assholes. What we're doing... Is getting shit done. Mm-hmm. Right? They're impressing the space out in between. That's for a push putt. Now, the minute, whether it's like an eagle grip or the pinky goes to the rim, or like my spin putt, which I'm going to give a complete shout out to Tom Earhart. I was a push putter, and that drill that you see on my Instagram, the 40, the, 40, the, the 50, the 55, the 60, 65, mm-hmm. you know, that putting drill. I get to 70, 75, I had to go to my, that baby throw that I talk about. I couldn't get a push putt there. And I watched Tom and it's like he was putting 60 footers and the disc did not look like it should have enough speed to get there. But it's that gyroscopic properties we talk about. It's keeping it in the air. I started breaking it down. Well, he grips it like I grip. And I said, well, that makes perfect sense. I'm pulling from the front and it's my longer putts. I'm going to this full I call it a fork grip. That's an Ken Climo. You can look it up uh, from like 15 years ago. He called it a fork grip because you hold it like a fork. But that's all the fingers on there, right? Eagle McMahon has the two fingers out on the plate, but he has the pinky on the rim. It's both doing the same thing. You can't finger pop anymore. It's going to be locked into the the lower pad Mm. underneath there, right? Right. So you're going to have to wrist it. Spin putt, not a bad thing. It's not, it's it's just a different thing, Mm. right? Um, I helped Schlitter uh, a couple of weeks ago. We were, I was working with him on his game and we talked about 70, 80 and 90 foot putts. And he keeps the fingers out in the, in the middle of the plate. And I said, for you, he's a good putter in there. But when he got mm-hmm. that far out, he felt like he was pushing it. He didn't have the power. I said, drop your pinky onto the rim and it's going to force you to use your wrist and pull through. And he did. He started buzzing the tower from 70, 80, 90 feet. Mm. I said, now you just go and work on where do you transition from the fingers out on the plate to up, I need a little extra power. And that's going to be personal for everybody. But at least you know, what does it feel like to do that? Or what am I doing from 100 feet versus 10 feet? I put a built-in governor. If I'm going to spin putt from 15 feet, all my fingers go out like a push putt. Because then I can't overthrow it. But my brain tells me if I grip the disc with the same grip I'm going to putt from 100 feet, my brain says, you got too much power, slow it down. And then I guide it and I miss. So by putting my fingers out here, I restrict the power. I have that built-in governor on the engine. I can throw freely. So Hmm. what you're saying is kind of don't ever for any reason at any time, no matter who you are with or what time it is ever. I have a feeling I know for any reason, no matter So this, this question is going to come directly from Alex and the way he holds the disc, I'm guessing, because Ryan went and sat on the couch and is taking his head off. Am I, am I correct on this? No, you'll, you'll get the drop later when you listen. Do, do you watch The Office? Um, I have. Okay. It's a, all it's, right, you yeah. started to say so, like a very repeatable thing from The Office. Yeah. That's and so that's why we looked Ryan at and I both laughing. Like, we're like, oh, can I oh, interrupt you and say it now? Yeah. No, let me finish. <laughs> so we got one more question that came from Facebook before we switch over to the email questions. 
Uh, Ryan Stilson wants to know, who were your favorite people to compete against when you used to play more often? Ooh, I love that question. Yeah, it's a great question. Because I was also thinking about that. Pretty much everybody. I mean, there was the one that just jumped out right now was one that I lost a playoff to in at the Rockford tournament. This was, I want to say mid 2000s. Uh, Mike Robinson from, you know, he is he from the Quad Cities and you can look him up on YouTube. He has a, a throwing technique thing out there. So it was cool. And uh, he was always just a really nice guy, but just really brought it, you know, and um, I remember we, there was three of us tied and I, we went into the first playoff hole. One guy was knocked out and I overjuiced my, my drive and I was, uh, I had a 60 footer and Mike was parked and I hit my 60 footer mm. and I'm like, okay, God, you know, game on. Good Let's go on. Yeah. I can, I can get it. And um, he threw just an absolute phenomenal drive on a very, very difficult hole. Uh, number seven on the East course. I'm sorry, West Course uh, over there. I tried to to get on it a little bit and didn't quite, it wasn't as good and I lost by one. So yeah. that's a memorable one. He was just always a competitor. Uh, he always brought it, but he was always really just nice, down to earth. You know, he wasn't, it's just, he, he let his game talk for himself. So that would be, that would be one. That's oh, great. Yeah. That's really cool. All right. So we're going to switch to some mm-hmm. questions that were emailed to us. Remember, you can send those via email and it is, Mailbag at unstablediscourse.com. We'd love to get those. Ryan. And I'm going to start with an apology because a few of them were caught in the spam filter because it is a relatively new email address. Mm-hmm. And there was one for Lauren last week. I wish that I had we... a spam filter. <laughs> we wish you had a filter at all. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> you so beat uh, me to that. <laughs> uh, but there's uh, Kristen Stubblefield asked a couple questions for Lauren, and they were women in disc golf related questions. So, Next time we have Lauren visit, uh-huh. we will revisit that and we will ask those oh, questions great. because we haven't had the mailbag in a, a bit anyway. Sure, right. So, sure. Kristen, we didn't forget about you. Well, we didn't know about you. We do now. <laughs> Which is worse. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. will. We, made we a will not we forget about you. Kristen's going through a roller coaster yeah. of emotions. Yeah. We right do now. know <laughs> Kristen. She's come so out to a bunch of our. She actually came to uh, Bag of Tricks trivia with us one night. Oh, sweet. Okay. Oh, nice. She's also, well, I love her. We yeah. will um, we'll revisit okay. that yeah. question yeah. when we uh, have Lauren back on the show or visiting or something. And then Jenny Cook had real questions. Oh, good. And not just when the podcast was, which is right now. Thank you, Jenny. Um, number one, is there a disc that has been in your bag forever and you swore you'd throw forever that was recently replaced by something new that starts with the letter L and there's a, a, a winking emoji? And then why do you love it so much? I think I answered it. I answered it. That's the Luna. The Luna. Oh, yeah. the Luna. Okay. Yeah, the KC oh, Pro. I mean, I, I remember when I first said, dude, Strauss. You're not throwing a KC Pro. What do you got in your hand? And I'm like, but it took that. Yeah, it was a yeah. big. It was a well. Big it was deal. a cool kids disc, so you had to get one because they they fly <laughs> yeah. better. It, I was <laughs> glidy. Yeah, why, why did you end up? Yeah. What, what was going on? A friend of mine, Juan Lopez, is like, dude, you got to try this disc. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm good. No, no, really. I'm like, I do. I'm fine. It's it's fine. You know, it doesn't matter because I I said I'm fine. Well, no, yeah, I said I'm fine. So Stop the guy that's me. teaching people to be more resistant to change was resistant to change. Is what yeah, because talking? and here's the reason why. <laughs> I have a new, I have a neutral disc that does, you know, it, I don't live by, 
I need a different disc for every shot. I take a disc and learn many, many shots with mm-hmm. it, right? So I've landed on it. I've known it for so many years. But he but he, he did say this to me. He goes, the KC Pros can be somewhat slippery, which they can, but I got used to it. He goes, wait, you feel this blend in the, in the plastic. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, because there's always yeah. new discs coming out. I'm like, all right, let me see that. And I felt it. I'm like, wow, that does feel good. And I put it with AVRs, the regular ones before Casey. So it did, again, the B didn't matter. And I'm like, this does feel really good. Okay, let me see it out of the hand. And you know, if I and I started really thinking it through, if I could take any of the potential slipperiness out of the disc, because that plastic can be, and I can eliminate a factor, then I really need to look at this. I have to run it through its its litmus test, right? How does it fly? What's the stability? What's the length? Can it do the things that I can do with the KC Pro? And it was checkbox, 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 checkbox. And I said, all right, well, now I'm going to take it to the field and really just test the distances. And that's when Wendy, you and I, remember we walked over to that field and I brought him out. I was like, I don't know, this could be. And we walked back to the house and I said, I think I'm making the change. She goes, really? And I'm like, yeah, they were consistently 15 to 20 feet longer. They felt good in the hand. The, The release was clean and they flew great. And then I thought, hats off to Macbeth because I threw two of the prototypes and I couldn't stand them. They weren't even anything like that. They were super stiff. Yeah. And they were, it wasn't that blend. Oh, that weird. Yeah. So, that, so somebody must, oh. he must have gone back and gone, yep, not it. We got to change it. And right. that was it. That's, mm-hmm. that changed. Mm, cool. And now I'm still nice. stuck with, I play with a, or throw a DX Rancho Rock. Mm-hmm. It's been all different beatnesses. Yeah. And uh, it turns into something I can't buy. So. Maybe there'll be a mid-range out there, but that's still, that's just the- That's the one. That's the one. Has anyone ever called you a disc golf scientist? Yeah, actually, um, Brian Earhart was talking uh, on on the um, Maple Hill tournament. The one guy who was commentating with him that day, uh, Nate Perkins. Paul hit a putt on on hole two, and he said, yeah, he's been working with Mike Strauss. You want to tell him a little bit about it? And so Brian said- uh, yeah, he's been working with, with Mike, you know, out of Chicagoland area. He, he called me the mad scientist of disc golf. Dude, that's great. <laughs> it's so great because you also <laughs> a cool look title. a little bit like Bill Nye, um, like in the, in his heyday, I feel like you could be Mike Strauss. Mike, 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 yeah. Mike. Mike. I'm already working on the Instagram post in my head. Yeah, right. They're going to be real good. It's churning. It's churning. So Jenny Cook also had a number two. Uh, you've Gross. Kind of Go on. Uh, uh, it's weird that she emailed us. Yeah, right. <laughs> Very uh, too much you, information. Yeah. Ma, I need more toity paper. Yeah. <laughs> you've already answered a couple of these, but she said, what are the top three mistakes you see amateurs uh, make with regard to form and for driving and also for putting? Uh, for driving, it's pulling across the chest, like I said, and, and mm-hmm. having all the weight in the upper body and trying to pull through. And with that is reach back. For me, reach back is the negative word of it, right? It means I'm deliberately pushing my arm. Mm -hmm. A backswing is us walking by the disc and not walking around the disc or not walking around anything. We drop it, we leave it, we walk away from it and we're moving along those lines. So uh, those are the two biggest ones, I think, with, or actually it's the three, Mm -hmm. um, with the driving. Putting. Real quick. Yeah. Do you think forehand players are playing wrong? What do you mean playing wrong? Well, you're... You're so like every time you talk about form, you're always talking about backhand, 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 backhand. Yeah, because backhand for me is is more complicated than forehand. Okay, I mean forehand, you know, and that's why a lot of new players gravitate towards it and always mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. They can make the disc zip down the fairway 
a lot easier by just doing this versus when you start putting all of this into motion, it uh, becomes very difficult. I can definitely relate with that. You know, right. and so are there mechanic forehands? I mean, Slitter's got an amazing, you know, he's a collegiate pitcher and and he's got an amazing, amazing forehand. And that's why we're working on his backhand. You know, we're going to be working on it next week. Call him and said, I'm still just, my timing is off. And we worked a couple, uh, three weeks ago, uh, two or three weeks ago. So the backhand for me is more is more complicated to, to execute to the yeah. level of, Distance, accuracy, being able to control the landing, to do these things, to, sh- to shape shots. Like so it's for- like my stepmom taught me to drive in her giant minivan, and I hated it, but her logic was, if I can get you to figure this out, then you can drive anything. You're golden. It's that same logic, right? Like if you can master a good backhand, then you don't even have to concern yourself with mastering a forehand the mechanics already there no because that's a good question no the mechanics are still different but they're simpler because there's there's less moving parts okay you know that's why i'll go to like on an uphill lie if it's really uphill i'll go to a forehand because i don't need to run up i can stand there and fire it okay or try try doing a full full drive going up a hill it's very very difficult yeah and no the and the forehand in my opinion is so necessary now you can't compete if you don't have a forehand you know 15 years ago nobody really they were scramble shots and now if you don't have it you're not winning period you know and i think that's 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 really good um to see the well-roundness of the game as a really uh bad player i'll also chime in um that I think the backhand will allow you to play the game longer like it's less wear and tear on your on your arm you know the mechanics of that are less like they're more natural mm-hmm. and I would also I think that the backhand you can throw further when you do that perfectly versus somebody throwing a perfect sidearm the backhand is going to get more distance yes so I agree three, oh the putting yeah the putting is is just one of the things that I see a lot of newer players do because they don't know how to generate power from a putt it's hard it's really hard. They'll do what I call the figure eight and they'll take a very loose wrist and they'll go in from a weak position and they'll snap it around. Mm-hmm. And it's a survival throw. You know, it's like, I can't get there any more than 20 feet. So I'm going to fling this. Putting is so intricate to some levels that I think any new player should just seek out somebody that's a pretty decent putter and and say, how do you do this? And what are some of the, the subtleties of it? Because putting is very difficult. Uh, on that. So there's really, it's a good question, but I, it's not as easy as, you know, don't pull across your chest. Putting is, are you spin putting? Are you push putting? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a pendulum putt, Nicola Castro's old putt, which uh, Sean, you and I were working on. Did you mm-hmm. like to gravitate where all the weight is off the shoulder and the arm is more, is more straight and then you supinate up. So there's so many variables and it's so touchy. All right. I've got one more from Antonio Diaz de Leon. My guy who I saw not two or three days ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. I was on the phone with him and Danielle a couple of days ago. Hmm. Nice. Okay. I did absolutely nothing with them two days ago. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. This he is gave a... himself the advantage. He was different than all of us. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Supination. Yeah. This is it. Nope. <laughs> nope. No supination. That's not the right word. Uh, no. yeah. Chase is like, right. I'm a pronator. This is a slightly longer, more complicated question, but he said, as someone who is aspiring and working towards bringing more fitness and well-being into disc golf, my question for you is, working with a variety of players, seeing all the unique forms and styles of throwing, how much would you say that an individual's range of motion and flexibility play part into how well or efficiently they can throw? Along with this, would you say that to do some limitation compensation patterns within a possible disc golfer's movement, can it correlate with injury down the road? There's a lot there. There is a lot there. So, yes. Next question. Good. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> 
<laughs> and uh, thanks for asking. And that's the, the end of the episode. <laughs> so let me start. Let me. I'll back into this. That's I'll be fifty. Said. I'll be fifty-six in August, and I have a disc herniation in my neck. I can only throw about thirty to forty percent, and I can throw my Luna's three hundred feet. So right there, I can't power up to the level that I used to. I'm avoiding surgery, thankfully. Thank God, you know, knock on wood. Working with physical therapy, occupational therapists, doing yoga, stretching, cervical traction, everything that goes with it, but knowing where my range of motion is. But if you learn the mechanics within that, you can still play very, very well. Okay. Mm -hmm. Are there certain mechanics that could promote injury versus? Yes. James Conrad, great guy, super nice guy. Is he going to have the longevity of a Paul Macbeth? No, it's just, it's just not going to happen. Kevin Jones, the way he off-axis torques and he comes through and how he, you know, torques the body. In my opinion, will that have longevity by comparison? No. Is there some mechanics that are different than other pros and they're still just as effective? Yes. When we look at, there's a local guy, John Pallister, right? I'll take John mm-hmm. Pallister versus Tom Earhart. We'll talk to some local guys. And I work with John Pallister a lot. He was a football player. John Pallister has absolutely no backswing. He turns, it's in a bent elbow position, and he fires it like he's hitting a tackle dummy, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of power there, and he can throw it very far. Tom had a baseball background. He brings in, because he was very good with throwing, he brings in, and we're working on this to say, not to eliminate it, to add a different wrist position, okay? And I'm going to compare John Pallister and Tom Earhart to Garrett Gerthy and Paul Macbeth. Tom and Garrett mm-hmm. both do something very similar, They'll come from the back swing and they'll rotate the wrist around. They'll snap off X start snap it around. There is power there, but you lose some direction and repeatability. Garrett, on my podcast or my, uh, the Q&A I did with Brian, we talked about this. If Garrett Gerthy ever took that mechanic and said, I'm going to keep this behind, you know, break glass if needed, but I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to take that whip of that wrist out and I'm going to get into a firm wish. Watch, watch Macbeth's. It never leaves this integrity. Everything is this outward lever, this catapult versus that, right? And I'm snapping through. If you could learn both, you got an open field and you want to rip it and throw shots that nobody else can like Garrett can? Absolutely. Green light it. I'm in a tunnel. I got to throw a 450-foot flip-up shot down that, firm up the wrist, get into the elbow, outward extension, hit 10 o'clock, do those, hit the flat spot, those kinds of things, right? Mm. So is there ways of saying, well, he throws one way and this guy throws another way and they're both, they can throw this far or whatever you're measuring it to? Yes. But then you have to look at what are you losing and what are you trading off? And can you become versatile? But if you're doing any type of body motion, or overpowering that could end injury, erase it and find a different way to throw because it's just not worth it. Coming from the, the journey that I've been going down, mm-hmm. don't. <laughs> you know, I'm throwing a specific way again, 300 foot. I mean, on the one, the latest video, we were on that one, it's 270 foot shot, putting both of my Lunas right, you know, to the left of the basket. So it works. And if I can throw it injured, that means anybody can throw it. Great answer. That's all I got. Is that a wrap on the mailbag? I believe so. That is a wrap on the mailbag. And I think that is a wrap on this episode. Unless anybody has any last minute announcements or things they want to get out going once. Great. Then Mike, amazing guest. Thank Thank you you. so much for being here. It's been an absolute blast. Thanks, man. 
Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, you killed it. Absolutely yep. awesome. We've not had a conversation quite like this. This might have been the disc golfiest conversation we've ever had. <laughs> It was yeah, awesome. It yeah. is. Well, yeah. you guys are a pleasure and hilarious to be around. I mean, this is like second nature for all four of you. So, no, it was a pleasure and I feel privileged to be invited. So, yeah, anytime and anything I can do to also help with whether it's you do something for your um, tournaments or you want mm-hmm. uh, raffle. I give two hour free lesson to somebody or whatever I can do to help. Just yeah. reach out. Do it's you done deal? Yes. Are you available for lessons? Like if somebody... I'm guessing people are going to want to talk to you after this. I mean, are you available to to book as a coach or as a, you know, to do lessons? Yes, I do. Um, I have a full time job. I'm a partner in a in a commercial insurance agency. So with all that going on, you know, I still have. I would love to be if I win the lottery. I'm you know this is full time. Sure. Um, but yeah, I I do both locally and even out of state. I I coach and even local um, players. I still do whether I'm sharing the screen via FaceTime or Zoom. I call it classroom work. What we do out in the course and what we do, me breaking down your videos, comparing you to pros, going into how I teach is like putting a puzzle together. If I ask you to start with the middle piece, you can't even find the middle piece. I start with the edge pieces. We start with the big muscle movements within big muscle positions and mm-hmm. we get the, the frame of the puzzle put in and then we start working inward. Awesome. Um, Love it. You know, so we're not going to talk about, should I change the grip this way? Well, if you're, if your wrist is bending up in the in the air, the grip becomes irrelevant. We don't even need to talk about it. We have to get you in a good position. Mm-hmm. Um, so I build from the outside in. And so, you know, but yes. Awesome. I think people are going to be, uh, you're going to get some requests, I would imagine. Yeah, what's the best yeah. way for somebody to contact you? Do, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, you want Instagram. to plug that again? Yeah. It's Michael Strauss underscore 52. If it's cool with you, I'd like to add you as a, uh, just your contact details uh, as a, you know, coach, somebody people can reach out to on our uh, Disc Golf Chicago's website. We have a resource page. We get asked all the time about coaches. Sure. And I haven't added anybody yet. And I'd love for you to be the first one. Sure. Absolutely. Sweet. And then Sean and I have talked and Sheila, um, whatever you guys set up for, if you want me to do clinics down there or anything, yeah. just to pay it forward, just to give it to the masses, to to bring more fun and enjoyment to the sport, uh, coupled with, you know, less chance of injury and just the overall enjoyment, whatever I can do. And I mean that done deal. It's if just a done deal. you could just awesome. in front of 10, 12, 15 people open their eyes to the possibilities of not just going out and trying to throw out their ass, but realizing that there is a method that you can follow and, you know, practice that you can, sure. th- that kind of thing, maybe not specifics, but the idea of that, that I think it would change people's yeah. worlds. Sure. Absolutely. Let's please do that. And I'm going to be putting more content out on my Instagram, you know, just again, just for free, just for people yeah. to, to be able to tune in. Just yeah. go to Delwood, go in the shop. And stand in front of the Bergs. That's where everybody seems to be congregating these days. Berg, is a word. Berg is a word. What? You haven't heard? Awesome. I couldn't tell who is Jason and who is Mike for a moment. Oh, man. Did we just become best friends again? Again? Yes. Hey, by the way, I missed you, Jason. Uh, listeners, I hope you enjoyed this one. We had a hell of a lot of fun with it. And uh, we are 
This is episode seven, which means we're about to pass the halfway point of the season. Yes, nice, right. nice. Which means we need to start talking about serious plans for the live episode. That's mm-hmm. gotta we gotta get that information out to everybody. That's right. Thank you guys for listening. Another episode coming in two weeks. If you enjoy what we do, drop us uh, some love on whatever platforms where you can throw reviews up and uh, or follow or tell people about the show. We appreciate you guys. And mm-hmm. uh, until next time, keep it on the fairway. Ooh, that's good. It only took you 37 Keep episodes. Keep it on the fairway. <laughs> I thought about it for many episodes. Ooh. And I just Nailed thought it. it was time to move away from the butt joke I've been making for three seasons. And, yeah. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Keep we should all fairway. say it together. Keep, Keep it, it on, on the fairway. Gross. <laughs> Sheila. Oh, that's my no. thing. Pete. <laughs> Let's speak, try it again. Can you speak up a little bit? Because, again, Alex's shirt is still kind of drawn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I just, it just sounds like jealousy to me in here. It is total jealousy. <laughs> All right, guys. Jealousy. Peace. See you. Good night. See you. Unstable Discourse is a Top Secret Studios production. <laughs>